Fabs podcast on Colin. This is episode 34. Dems push Liz Cheney 2024. Liz Cheney has lost her primary, and now some Democrats are pushing for Liz Cheney to run for 2024. What are your thoughts? So I see uh, Scotty is already in the queue here. So I'm going to go ahead and make you the first caller. So you're on the mic. Hey, Savvy. Um, I actually, uh, hey, I wanted to actually call, uh, cause I missed the, uh, the Brie, uh, Jank show. I will, uh, let you know how I feel about the list chain, but, um, I wanted to give my opinions on that. Is that okay with you? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, that was an absolute shit show. It's like, we all kind of knew it was going to happen, um. Uh, but not to that level. Um, and you said on the show, um, you think that it was partly uh, his way of trying to discredit her in the uh, PMC space, the progressive space, uh, because, and I think Compton J said this, like, she's the only one out of that whole crew that is in the PMC class that can talk, you know, talk to people on the TYT left, and then talk to, like, people who not necessarily align with Jimmy Dore, but, like, are anti-imperialist, uh, anti-war, and are not doing the whole, like, uh, uh, electoral strategy, and I think his whole strategy was just to try to like, keep his audience that are, like, pretty much normie Democrats and just do discipline on uh, Brianna Joy Gray, but what he didn't realize is that he looked like a fucking idiot. He looked terrible. Like, he's, like, screaming and huffing and puffing, and then, like, j- her uh, trying to tell him what the Gray Zone's position on Ukraine was, all she was trying to do was tell her their position and he wouldn't even allow her to do it he was saying by just by her telling the position was validating right wing and Putin talking points like like yeah I, I just like and that's what it was like they're just trying to make sure like they're trying to smear your side of the aisle and they're trying to he sees that ever since Jimmy uh, got popular and this whole, like, side of, like, the less uh, media sphere uh, got popular, it took away their viewer share. And he's pissed about it, and he doesn't know how to deal with it. So he's still trying to be the gatekeeper of what it means to be a leftist. Like, even at the end of the interview, he's saying, I take you out of the category of, fake left. Who the fuck are you? Like, but yeah, that's that's my opinion on all that issue. But that's what I was talking about when I referenced um, going through the proper channels. You know, TYT were kind of the first ones uh, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I guess really much to like in, in the space, right? And so it, it kind of has been historically that that's what people have done, right? Like, people went through TYT. Like, 
uh, Kyle Kalinske went through TYT. So did David Dole, Humanist Report. Um, a lot of people had worked with TYT at one point, including, you know, Jordan Sheraton uh-huh. and Vigilant. Nomiki was with TYT at one point. And so the general consensus was it became that you pretty much had to start there and kind of make your way or you had to get like their approval to do the things that you want to do. If it didn't go by that TYT standard, then they were going to smear you. And what has happened over the past couple of years, people have kind of started to take their own lane, right? Like, I mean, um, so many people have worked for TYT. I, I've lost count and I don't remember all of the names, but I do know even at one point, Sean King uh, used to work with TYT. And so when Jimmy left TYT and started, you know, his own show, I mean, he ended up getting over a million subs now. So like, he don't, he don't really need them. Like, that's the thing. So he was the one that left that really, really like blew up. And yes, you're right. I agree. I think that he did take some of their audience and maybe uh, Bree's able to talk to both sides because she didn't start in the left media space. She started as, um, well, she was a lawyer before, but she started as Bernie Sanders press secretary. So in that position, all those sides are going to be okay with you because everybody was trying to push Bernie Sanders, whether it was 2016 or 2020. But I, I think that might be part of the reason why. So for her, she had worked with everybody at some point or another, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's yeah. a big part of it. Whereas whereas now it's not so much the same. I mean, look at a lot of like the smaller channels, like we're never invited like on those shows and they know who we are. And yeah, it's because, it's just it's very yeah. telling. Like they've pretty much decided if you heavily criticize the progressives or the squad, if you are liked by Jimmy Dore or Gray Zone or any of them, they've pretty much decided that you are not going to share uh the other space with them. And I can tell you from personal experience over at RBN, we've reached out to pretty much, I think for the most part, everyone, for the most part, people that that had contact information where we could reach out. But yeah, they they don't they don't want their audience to hear that message. And that's why I think Jink was really trying to come down hard on, okay, this is my chance to smear the gray zone and Jimmy Dore again. And I think Bree was just trying to explain like their side and he didn't want his audience to hear that because if their audience actually starts to hear their side, they may kind of understand where they're coming from on some of these issues. And I think that's why he doesn't want to bring them on and have that conversation with them. Yeah. And you know, I I didn't hear a lot of people talking about this, but um, one thing I noticed and uh, they're able to do this because say his name group they Abram is one of those people who there are some people on the left who you know he did the whole video of uh why I left the left and it just became this whole thing where like yeah people like him Tim Pool um at one point um uh who was this uh TJ Kirk who kind of aligned himself at certain points with the right like they're able to use his, his success because you know they were jealous of the fact that he went away and made money even though he sold out to the right wing is what happened but 
they're trying to use him as an example. Like, see, Jimmy's getting right-wing money from Patreon subscribers. It's like, no. Like, I saw those comments of uh, when Jimmy and Jordan was with TYC. They were trying to tell him, like, hey, like, we're disappointed. So, Russiagate thing, you guys would do so much better off on your own if you just leave TYT. And they were getting those all the time. Like, look at the comments. Like, go to Rebel HQ and look at the videos on Jordan's videos. It was called TYT Politics at the time. And the audience is basically begging him, like, we can't even watch the main show anymore because it's just nonstop Trump news and Russiagate. And... They can't, and they can't come to terms with the fact that their audience, that audience, went to the left of them, and so their whole strategy is, okay, if we can't keep that audience, then we're going to keep the normies because the normies are going to uh, vote for Democrats. Yeah, I think right. that's a, I think that's a really good point because I think that. People did kind of move to the left, further to the left, I think. You know, for me, TYT was just a start. That was a starting point. It was like, okay, you know, you kind of introduced me to some things and Bernie Sanders introduced me to more. And then as I, I started to grow and learn and I went further to the left of them. And so this is why, like, you may not see them have people like uh, Caleb Maupin on or... um the gray zone members on because anyone who's further left of them, they consider that to be somewhat of a threat. And I never agreed with their position on war. I never agreed with that. So I think that, yeah, they see this as, as a problem and it's unfortunate, you know, you should be willing to have those conversations with people. If you disagree with them, I mean, you guys see, I bring people on and I disagree with, I don't agree with everything. So I think, you should be willing to have those conversations. And if you can't, then you need to ask yourself why. Well, all right. Well, um, good show. Uh, uh, oh, by the way, uh, Liz Cheney's ascent just basically it goes the old adage uh, they'd rather have a Republican than have a, a progressive take over the party. And I'll just close that out. I agree with that as well. In fact, when uh, Bernie was wanting, running in 2020, there were a couple of statements that was made on mainstream media that really made me realize, you know what? The Democratic Party would rather have Trump win again than Bernie Sanders win. And it's right. They'd rather have someone in that's corporate instead of someone who actually wants to implement these policies that are actually going to help the people. They don't want that person in. They don't want to have someone in that's anti-war or anti-imperialist. I don't even know if Bernie, I wouldn't even consider Bernie Sanders anti-war anymore after his recent uh, votes, but they don't want that. They don't want someone in that's going to push Medicare for all or someone that's going to cancel all student loan debt because that's not good for them because that's not good for their donors. But yeah, you have a good point. Um, Looks like we have Donald next in line. So you are next on the mic, Donald. You just have to unmute. My apologies, sorry about that. It's my first time ever really calling in on anything. So um, thank you for having me here. 
Thanks so much for joining. And is that your dog in the picture? Yes, her name is Lucy. She sadly is not with me right now, but she's two years old and it will be the sweetest thing you ever meet, if you ever meet her. Oh, what a pretty dog. Oh, Thanks. man. So, Donald, what's your take on all of this with Liz Cheney? So, as someone who has voted Republican, Liz Cheney possibly running for president, I honestly don't think much of it because the simple fact of the matter is she's not going to get anywhere with that, especially with how much she chose to push the, Jan the January 6th bullshit over the focusing on issues that impact the average American. Like, regardless of what you think of her, what anyone thinks of her statements regarding Trump or January 6th, like, is she seriously some hero of democracy all of a sudden, despite how she pushed for the Iraq war, how she wanted us to stay in Afghanistan before we left last year, and even to how she and her father treated her sister on the campaign trail. Like, all of a sudden, she's a hero for democracy? Bullshit. Yeah, um, I think back to, uh, in reference to LGBTQ rights, and I think back to how Liz Cheney was willing to go against her own sister. Yeah, that's the shittiest part for me, honestly. Yeah, it's like, so I don't want people to, I don't want people to try to send out this message as though she's like some hero now, because, you know, I felt like, especially with something like that, where it really mattered, she she was not willing to break party lines. She was not willing to to do the right thing. Now, I know people grow and change, but this whole idea of some of these Democrats pushing Liz Cheney to run, uh, Robert Reich is awful. He was one of the ones that wrote the article about it. Um, it's just, it's really uh, appalling to me because meanwhile, I have people calling me right wing. I have, you know, there's people that call those of us at RBN right wing, call Jimmy Dore right wing, and you literally have Democrat politicians who are cheering on and pushing Liz Cheney to run for office, but they're not called right wing. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because there are conservatives I know who hate Cheney and other establishment Republicans like Kinzinger or Romney who actually claim that they're all left wing. So... Honestly, I don't think it's truly a right wing versus left thing, left wing thing anymore. I think it's an establishment versus the people thing. I think the mainstream media is good at getting their ratings, working with corporate companies to have us all uh, fighting with each other to make sure that the establishment goes untouched. Now. While I disagree with many of his positions, and still do, I could appreciate the fact that Bernie Sanders was an anti-establishment man. This wasn't until he defended it, but still. 
I could appreciate that was why he attracted so many Democratic voters to her, to him, at least until Hillary Clinton took it from him. Yeah, I will say that. I mean, Bernie Sanders was the one that woke me up to the issue uh, with money in politics, because, like, I mean, I knew that politicians had donors, but I didn't understand exactly how money worked in politics. I didn't understand how it was applied to legislation. And he really did wake me up to that. So I, I do thank Bernie Sanders uh, for for doing that. You know, and at, and at the same time, I think that it would have been best for him to do what Andrew Yang is actually doing right now. Isn't that interesting? Although I don't agree with what the four parties doing because I'm really confused still a little bit. Uh, Kim broke that down a lot, a lot better for me, but I think that you need to have policies, right? I think you need, they need to figure some things out, but I will say that he actually had the guts to do what Bernie Sanders should have done, but Bernie Sanders was not willing to do which is I ran through the Democratic Party twice in a row, which Andrew Yang did too. Technically, he ran for president as a Democrat and he ran for mayor as a Democrat. Now I'm going to leave this this system and I'm going to try to start a third party movement or third something, whatever you want to call it today. But he at least had the bravery to do that. Bernie Sanders doesn't have that. Yeah, exactly. But... Regarding Yang, though, and the Ford Party, if he doesn't put down some serious policy positions soon, I honestly do not think he will go anywhere with breaking the two-party system. I do think it needs to be broken, don't get me wrong, but I feel like he is trying to be a nice guy for both Democrats and Republicans in regards to trying to attract them to the full party. And so therefore, the only substantive position he has right now is ranked voting, but not um, policy positions on anything else. So if he does want the forward party to happen, I think he should establish some some positions because the the two-party system was almost attempted to be broken before with the Libertarian Party and the Green Party. But even then, if Yang does put down positions, it will be difficult because the population of the U.S. is so polarized that it's kind of impossible. I hate to say it. Well, you know, I still I'm still trying to see if I can get him to come on to have this conversation, because from what I understand, it's supposed to work like you you can be a Democrat or Republican or independent and you run through the forward party. On those policies, but again, like like I said, like what are the policies? So they got to figure that out. Um, and it's supposed to basically operate more like a caucus instead of a political party. But my question is, if you are running as a Democrat or Republican, but you're still going through the forward party, does that mean that you're still taking corporate money as a candidate? Does that mean that, like, that's the thing. Like, I think they got to set down some grass, some ground rules. Like, hey, forward party candidates, you guys want to be a part of forward party, you can only do grassroots campaigns. You can't take corporate money. That should be a rule. You know, like you, yeah. you need to find some policies that they agree on. Like you can't just say, 
well, we're all for ranked choice voting. No, you need more than that. What is the position on health care? What's the position on gun rights? Like, what's the what's the position on women's rights? Like, what's the position on uh, free college, student loans that cancel? Like, you have to have something. It can't just be we agree ranked choice voting. So I would definitely like to have that conversation with him. I, I would love to see it. Um, and on another note, I do agree with you. He does have to be anti-establishment, no buts, what, or ifs about it. Now, the thing about Trump, while he is definitely corporate, he does present himself as anti-establishment to the people, which is why he's attracted so many voters and why he kind of has this spell over so many Republican uh, voters. And in a sense, I do thank him for evolving the GOP from the Bush era, where they supported the Iraq war. So if there's one thing I think Trump is good at, it was evolving the GOP when it needs to be evolved. That's interesting, because I've, I've heard many people say the opposite, that they, they felt like he actually led it in the wrong direction. Um, and even though Trump isn't president anymore, it's still it's still like his his words and his his energy is still very much present in that party. Now, I have absolutely no proof of this, and I cannot speak for Trump. But he was a former Democrat, and I secretly suspect that he moved the GOP left a little because the GOP has moved left on government spending. But I think his values from being a Democrat before he became Republican has transferred to the GOP, and they're... I think he has convinced voters who love him or who like him or love him that what the Bush administration was just not was doing was just not working. Sorry, I keep stuttering. Oh, no worries. No, I think that uh, that's an interesting point. You know, it's it's really interesting. I really want to hear from I don't know who I need to reach out to to make this happen. But I also want to hear from people who are on the libertarian, uh, I guess we would say, spectrum. Because there's different types of libertarians, right? Right. I would like to hear from them, too, because I think on some issues, I there are some issues where I do agree with them with. Like, I think they're, if I'm not, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're, um, they're for uh, decriminalizing drugs. I believe they're they're for that. Um, but I don't know how they feel about all the other issues. But I will say that um, I would like to hear from them too. Like, I don't want to keep you guys in an echo chamber. I don't want to only bring on people that are lefties or people that are progressives, whatever, whatever term people refer to use these days. 
I don't want to just bring on people who are like Marxists or socialists or things like that. Like, I want to hear from people from all different, I want you guys to hear from people all different spectrums. Now I know I'm going to get some backlash from people by doing that, but I, I feel like I just don't want you, I don't want people to be in an echo chamber. And I think it's always good to know what someone on the other side may be thinking and why they feel the way that they feel. And I'll give you an example. I know some people don't like Jackson Hinkle. I've been hearing this often lately, but Jackson Hinkle recently had a conversation with Ron Paul and Ron Paul, from what I remember, is pretty much anti-war. So it's like, what do you do? Like, I think it's good for people to hear that position because not, I don't think everyone that watches me is anti-war, but they may like Ron Paul for other reasons. So I think, I don't know. That's, that's something that I have to think about. Something that I'm, I'm just considering thinking about bringing on people from all different political spectrums so people can hear why they feel the way that they feel. Um, on a couple of issues, I, as a libertarian, I can answer your questions for abortion rights. Um, we kind of lean conservatives or pro-life, but we're more so pro-choice where we um, disagree with abortion, but we're not getting in the way of someone, of a lady getting an abortion. Like we wouldn't take that away from them. And honestly, for me personally, abortion isn't really an issue that would say motivate me to vote. Like, I guess I would vote to not criminalize it, but compared to issues like foreign policy um, and other stuff like that, I would um, not be motivated to vote over that alone. Now for LGBTQ issues, I cannot speak for other libertarians, but yes, we do want want LGBTQ rights, except for me personally, I don't want sexual orientations being taught in schools. Like, yes, you are free to express your life about your partner or spouse to your students, but don't make it the center of your um, class, if you know what I mean. Sum up. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would, yeah, I mean, these kind of things are interesting to hear. I was actually on RT once. It was a show called Crosstalk. That was actually a pretty cool show. And they had me and there was another guy on who was a libertarian. And there was another guy, I I, I couldn't figure out if he was, uh, I don't know, conservative or I don't think he said what his political affiliation was, but the guy who hosted the show was conservative. And what we came to at the end of that discussion was that all of us actually kind of agreed on the fact that when it comes to the economic situation in the country, that's where we should focus more on that and the workers like getting fair wages. Like we all actually agreed on that. So I just, and and we did not agree on the culture wars. Excuse me. We all did. Yeah. We all did agree that the culture wars was a problem and we all agreed that we need to do something about the economic situation. So 
again, like different political affiliations, but we did agree on some issues. Exactly. Well, Donald, thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to go ahead to the next caller, which is uh, Tim. Right. Um, thank you for having me here. But um, if you do want some libertarians on your channel, I suggest Sagar Jetty, who is a host of Breaking Points, and Lily Tang Williams, who is a politician in Connecticut who was initially um, Uh oh. Oh, Donald. Donald, I think you cut out. Oh no. Can you guys hear Donald? Can you tell me in the chat? Cause I can't hear him. I think I think he cut out. Let me um. Sorry um. Um, I blocked out for a second. Uh, may we say that again? Oh, sorry. I was just saying I couldn't hear you. I, I heard you say Sagar and Jetty, but a Sagar and Jetty is a libertarian. When did this happen? Um, he's not. Maybe not full blown libertarian, but he is libertarian in the sense that he is not playing into the corporate games of Republicans. Or playing politics with them, such as um, trying to push this idea that the election was stolen in 2020, even though it was disproven. But another libertarian candidate I suggest is Lily Tang Williams. She's a politician in Connecticut who was libertarian before she became part of the Republican Party. She lived in China under Mao Zedong's regime and immigrated here to America. And I think you should talk to her on why she opposes Marxism, if you want a broad perspective on that. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, thank you so much, Donald. Anytime. You have a good night. You too. All right. Uh, Tim, you are the next caller. Hey, Sabby, how's it going? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing all right. J just a quick thing. When did they start teaching sexual orientation in school? <laughs> it's it's starting with uh, it's something that they've been talking about in Florida. You heard about this? Um, I heard about the don't say gay thing, but that, that was just thought about like they just like they, they can't say they're gay. Um. Like, it a kid can't bit. say I'm gay or a teacher can't say that they're gay. It, it goes a little bit deep, deeper than that. Like it also goes into teaching about sexual orientation as well. What? I did not know that. <laughs> well, well, I'll shut my mouth on that issue then and study up some more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as far as uh, Liz Cheney goes, um, I think that is a gift to the left. The, uh, I think it's going to expose the Democrats for who they really are. I think it's going to expose that how right-wing the Democrat Party really is. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm on for it. And I'm like, hey, put her on the ticket. 
let them all let the squad even jump behind that fake ass bitch and go ahead and push it and, and see what happens and then everybody's gonna start to wake up maybe I'll gain some of them friends I lost when I called out AOC maybe they'll come back and they realize oh yo, yeah your AOC now is backing her like <laughs> who was anti-LGBTQ two seconds ago like come on yeah it's really it's a mask off moment don't you think like exactly yeah it's, just, I mean, it's, it's really weird it's really weird but i told you guys before like they all like at behind closed doors they're all like friends like the obamas and bush mm-hmm. and clinton's like they're all friends there's photos of all of them hanging out and just chilling on yeah. the beach and shit like <laughs> so yeah trump was at chelsea's wedding that's right like, like they have they have uh they have class solidarity they just don't want right. us to have it. <laughs> exactly yeah and so i i think it's going to be you know it's a good mask off moment for for the for the dems i think it's going to really wake up the people who truly are left and and still falling for you know the tyt bullshit and all that stuff and when, when they realize that when tyt starts to push them too that's going to wake up a lot more people from their audience and go like holy shit they really are right wing now like <laughs> you know and I, I think that's a great thing like similar to how how jank had his mask off moment with brie like how she held it together and did not light into him. Oh my gosh, the strength that woman has. Oh my goodness. I couldn't do it. Like, <laughs> but yeah, it's like you, sometimes you have to let people expose their self. And sometimes people do that because they're trying to make you upset. So you have to be careful, exactly. especially, especially if, um, you're on their platform versus they're on yours. So like if they yes. invite you on their show, you know, they kind of have the advantage. It's just like if you want to have a difficult conversation with someone, and I don't know if everyone practices this, but this is something I learned. If you want to have a difficult conversation with someone, instead of um you you need to find a neutral spot. Neutral so, ground, yeah. Oh yeah. And same thing goes for breakups too, by the way. Please don't break up with someone at their house. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't like, don't like, and don't break up with them at your house because like, if it's in, if it's in your space, you kind of have the power and that's why you need to find like a neutral like spot. But, but yeah, it's true. Like you have to be careful, like not to let them like make you upset, especially when it's on camera you know right. or not to let make them like 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 imagine if she would have responded the way that he responded oh it would have been much more harsher criticism towards her i can tell you that much right because that, that's what he was trying to go for the angry black woman thing you know yep. he was he was hoping he was hoping to get that from her and how she held it back like ooh we goodness gracious i couldn't do it <laughs> Yeah. But, but 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 I think I think this go, this ties back to the whole conversation about infighting, you know, like th- this kind of stuff. I think I was I was watching um, 
Jay and uh, Nick. And I think they said they they said it best. It's I wouldn't say it's infighting because infighting means like you're fighting with your own team. They're not on our team. And I think the fact that we have these conversations and that we you know we're having these these, these mask off moments per se. I, I think it's it's good because it's showing people, hey, they're not on our team. So this isn't infighting. We're 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 calling out the traitors. You know, and that's the that's the part that I I'm looking forward to. Like, yes, go Cheney. Put her on the ticket, let the Dems show who they are, and let's go ahead and let's let and let's get our let's get our left together and let's get get some shit done. Because no, we know you- we you have a good mm-hmm. point. Thank you so much for saying that. It's true. We're, we're not on the same team. I think we were all on the same team to get Bernie elected. But after mm-hmm. that, like people kind of went in different directions, right? Because there was no one leading the movement or anything anymore. Or what was supposed to be a movement. So, no, we're not on the same team. It's like I'm on the Red Sox. They're on the Yankees. Right. We're not cool. So, right. I'm sorry, but right, <laughs> and we got that one player on our team, or or a few players on our team that wanted to be on that team, but they're over here, you know. And it's like, oh, and but they're working hard to get to that team, and it's like, yeah, you ain't you ain't with us if you're trying to work to be over there. So just go over there and leave us the fuck alone and let us do our shit. And you have a couple of players that have been traded too. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and traded is the right word to use because <laughs> they literally are traded around like literally like like here how much you got I got 50 more dollars I can get you right like okay come over here That's now you right. work for Exxon <laughs> you know but what I, one thing I think we need to do as the left is work with with other parties or other people who, who are on board with certain policies, you know, like if, if, if you're for decriminalizing drugs, but we ain't on eye to eye on abortion, we ain't eye to eye on Medicare for all or anything else. Well, you know what? Let's set all the other shit aside and let's focus on getting this, getting drugs that done. And then after we get that done, then we'll see who, who's for Medicare for all. Let's find that group of people. Oh, you're some over there, some libertarians are for it or some whoever's for it. You guys want to come together with us? Because we're about to work and fight for this shit. And then we get them. We have those Republicans. We have those those Democrats. We have those ones that are for that one issue. And we fight for that one issue and we get that passed. Instead of like trying to make it about only parties and, you know, this... I think we need to take the power away from having this uh, duopoly or even parties at all. Like just bring it to the point where we just like find an issue or a few issues each each uh, term and, you know, fight hard for them issues. Find what which people are for it or, or the ones that can align to 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 what we can do on those issues and work together and and get the shit done. I think that's the only way to do it. That's right. Uh, that's why I'm really excited about Camp Dada. That's coming up uh, Labor Day weekend because it's a chance for all of us that are activists to get together and start planning shit. Like a lot of us don't get to see each other in person because we live in different states, right? Or we've only seen each other once because we live in different states. So I'm really excited about that and to come up with a game plan. Like we have to find a way to move forward. And I know we're starting different chapters like RBN chapters 
in our uh, locations where we are. So that's going to like help a lot too in reference to mutual aid and all that kind of stuff. We, we got to do things like in our own local areas and that way. And I'll tell you right now, especially after talking to uh, Mayor Schwartzman last night, he made me realize something. If you're doing that type of community building that he's talking about and you're trying to change things and fix things in the community, you know what? You're not really going to be focused on what national politics is doing. And that's why he said on the national level, he's like, I'm not even really, he said, I'm not really, you know, focused on that, even though he's from DC, because he said, I'm doing, we're doing stuff on the local level. So our community is starting to thrive. And imagine if all of us were doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. And then since you mentioned forward, like that forward party thing, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that that is another trick, how Bernie was a trick to the to the people. I think that's another way to try to for them to try to, you know, you know, go about go about and say, oh, yeah, we're starting a third party, set it up to be a, a major failure. And then after it fails, they're going to be like, see, we tried it. We have to go with the Dems. Like, I think that's what this whole thing is. It's just it's a way for the oligarchs to try to keep keep control of the system. Well, I'm trying to get Andrew to come on. Um, he just followed me recently. So I'm, I'm trying to get him to come on because, you know, I think he needs to hear this. Like, I don't like the corporate media's response to him about four party because obviously see red flag against anything, anything like third party, whatever. They're going to be against it. But I think it might be good for him to talk to someone that's going to offer offer him suggestions like, hey, how about these five things? Healthcare. I, I don't. I think he's still for UBI, but like healthcare, education, da da da, that kind of thing. Can you find people that can at least come to an agreement on those five things? And if so, then that should be your pop, your platform. And that's what you should talk about when you go on to those shows. Second, and also very important, are you going to let them take corporate money? Because if you're going to let them take mm-hmm. corporate money, then you're no different. no different. <laughs> you're no different because, look, Green Party candidates don't do that. You see? Yeah. So we already have an established third party. I know there's issues with the Green Party. People have talked about this often on the show. But you already have an established third party that is not taking corporate money. So you can't yeah. come in as a new party and be like, yeah, we're the third party, we're the big new thing, but we're going to take corporate money. Mm-hmm. I don't that's know. What I'm saying. That, that, and that's the thing. Like it's, it's, it's the, the way he doesn't even talk, even when he had, was, was interviewed and they were trying to, they're trying to ask him, corporate media is trying to ask him questions about policy for once, you know, and he won't even mention UBI. Like that's, that's the whole thing. That's the whole reason why you're famous, dude. Like, and you don't even mention that. Like, what the hell? It's it just it doesn't yeah. it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth, and I'm like, eh, I don't think so. I ain't, I ain't falling for it. So, I really Good luck, think, though. I, I, yeah, I think if they they <laughs> want to be successful at this, because and I say this because I have seen this before where. You'll have someone who's like the CEO of the company or the organization, but they'll have a spokesperson. They won't be the person that goes 
to the interviews. They won't be the person that goes on CNN and stuff like that. The, the spokesperson would do that and they'll tell everybody about it. I really think that when it comes to this particular thing, I think if they want to be successful, I think they need to find somebody else to deliver the message with him. So if he's invited to come mm -hmm. on, I think Kim should come on with him. And I say that because right now, everybody just sees this as this is an Andrew Yang thing, another thing that he started as an entrepreneur. And you guys know sometimes entrepreneurs, yeah. they get a little excited. Vanity project. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they come up with a lot of ideas. And I don't mean these are good ideas all the time. So mm -hmm. I think I think they would they should work on that. They should have somebody else uh, be the spokesperson and come on with him. I agree. I think they should have at least somebody who's I don't want to call Andrew Yang dumb, but he's not he's not an orator. He doesn't he doesn't have the art of or the gift of gab per se. You know, so he needs somebody that can, uh, I guess, politic their way through the interview and explain why a policy isn't there. Like, <laughs> you know, but I, I just I don't see the point in the party. Like, it's just right now, it just makes no sense to me. And I just think it's another it's a rouge to try to just to to bring down the left and to, to kill the whole third party movement that's that's taking place they see what's happening with unionizing going around the nation with all these like starbucks and amazon stores that are finally starting to realize the power that they hold as as the shoulders that the rest of the nation stands on like they're starting to realize that and they're trying to and they're they're, they're going to try different ways to you know to end that movement and i think I think this forward party bullshit is another way for is another tool that they're putting in the in the mix to try to you know bring shit down because they're they're gonna try whatever they can to keep their power. I can see that. Well, Tim, thank you so much for calling in. I'm gonna bring in uh, Justin as the next caller. Okay, Justin, you are on the mic. You just have to unmute. Okay, um, I think I'm unmuted now. Is, uh, can you hear me all right? I can hear you. Cool. Great, uh, great to be on the call-in with you, Sabby, and great job tonight flying solo on the show. You did, you, you, you did, you did extremely you so well. Thank you so much. It's different without air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you handled it awesomely. And um, uh, can you hear me all right? I'm, I got you on speakerphone because um, I want to go to a couple of um, other tabs I've got pulled up on my phone. Yeah, I can hear you Am fine. Am I coming through okay? Okay. Um, well, so um, um, a couple of things. Well, first of all, um, we talked about um, – Portland and um you're coming up tomorrow or this weekend. Um you should totally stop by my my um the brewery that my brother started up, um Good Fire Brewery <laughs> there in Portland. Um you might check that one out if you haven't tried Good Fire beer yet. Um and um would be great to catch up with you um and um talk about some of this stuff. There's so much I would love to talk with you about. 
um, the Jesse Ventura stuff recently. I didn't know you had uh, Mayor Schwartzman on. I have to go back and watch that interview. Um, and um, so anyways, yeah, um, would love to catch up with you if you have a little time in Portland. Um, I'm, I'm here up on um, Munjoy Hill on the East End in Portland, so. Cool. Um, that sounds good. I just have to check with um with my husband, but that yeah. that sounds good. Maybe we can meet. I haven't tried Good Fire Brewery yet. That's one of the ones I haven't tried. Yeah, I mean it's like it's Brewery Corner down there too, um, on Anderson Street. So, um, they got kombucheries and and breweries, all sorts of stuff there. Um, you'll have a great time. Um, but um, and I also before talking about the Liz Cheney stuff, um. I in the um, super chat I mentioned Tina Olson running for governor um, in Pennsylvania there, but I was, you know, you were talking about Oz and um, and Fetterman. Um, the, so the Greens actually do have a candidate for Senate in uh, Pennsylvania too, and that is um, a guy named Richard Weiss that you can find on Twitter, um, and. Um, I, I pulled up an article. I'll drop it in the chat. And uh, it basically talked about third party candidates in those races in Pennsylvania. You have um, so in for the Green Party, you have, again, Tina and Richard running for governor and Senate. And then you have um, the Libertarian Party has candidates on the ballot for both of those races. And you got um, this new party that started there in Pennsylvania called the Keystone Party, which um, what I got from the article is that they're um, they're um, they broke off from the Libertarian Party. They're less conservative than the Libertarian Party, but follow some of those kind of ideals. So I'll drop that in the chat, and anybody that wants to look at that, and I don't know if that's that's something you might be interested in. Some of that, some of those other candidates. Oh, absolutely! Wait, so Pennsylvania has another party? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, every state is different with how you know, parties getting on the ballot and things like that. And so I think, yeah, the way it kind of described it, the Keystone Party newly started there in Pennsylvania. It's, you know, probably further to the left than the Libertarian Party on some things, but, um, you know, not as maybe fiscally conservative um, as the Libertarian Party, but kind of like the Libertarian Party, probably closer to the Green Party. Um you know, so it's yeah, it's interesting. You know, they they got two candidates as well, one for for uh, Senate and one for governor as well. So, yeah, there's there's other candidates in that race for Senate. And I hope, you know, um, as many of your you know listeners, supporters and people that are in Pennsylvania that, you know, really tuned into this, that they don't vote for Fetterman or Oz and vote for a third party candidate there. Um, that's just me. Um, but, um, yeah. So I'll, I'll drop that in the chat anyways. Yeah, I just want to chime in here for a second. Yeah, like I've, I'm noticing people are like, some people are praising John Fetterman and I'm like, um, dude is like another mm -hmm. anti-BDS person. Like he's, he's, I'm like, why aren't people talking about this? Like I'm obviously, yeah, he's better than Dr. Oz, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta yeah. mention the pros and the cons. You can't just mention the pros. That's the thing. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, definitely um, talk about the pros and cons. Let people make up their mind if they want to believe in lesser evilism. Right. And need to vote for for Fetterman. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's plenty of reasons to not vote for Fetterman. 
as you know, you just talked about the anti BDS and that whole thing about, you know, tailing the, the, um, the, that black person there, um, you know, it's just like, it's, it's gross. It's really creepy and gross. It reminds me of the, you know, um, 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 Ahmed Arbery and, and, and Alabama, you know, it's like, it's yeah, yeah really gross. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Cheney thing too. Um, but, um, yeah, um, so much I'd love to talk with you if, you're in Portland, especially the Jesse Ventura stuff um, that you, you know, your interview with Jesse recently. Um, the, but you're doing so much cool stuff, Savvy. Uh, but I don't want to tie up the phone line talking about these other things. You know, I want to try to stick to the Liz Cheney thing here and go to that next. Okay, cool. Yeah, so um, I actually, uh, <laughs> this morning I was thinking about the Liz Cheney thing and how, you know, I saw some stuff on Twitter where it's like um, somebody maybe posted about how um, or posted like a video of how she how um, anti-abortion she is. And I'm thinking about all these Democrats that are like, you know, donating to her race, or donated to her race for the primary. Um, they're trying to elevate her and get her to run for president. And, um, you know, my thought is, you know, they they do this. They prop these people up and say, say Liz Cheney is actually successful in, um, you know, winning the nomination and then actually beating Joe Biden. Now, you know, the Democrats are, you know, invested in electing Liz Cheney, who is totally anti-abortion, pro-war, pro-torture, you know. But this is the party that the Democratic Party is. They are the – I mean, there is no daylight between the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, in my opinion, anymore, right? And this just is another example of that. And, I, you know, I love pointing out to people, hey, you know, it's your Democrats that are voting for Liz – you know, you're supporting Liz Cheney. And, I mean, they even have Democrats that are switching to um, Republican Party to vote for Liz Cheney and stuff like that, you know, they're doing bullshit like that. So it's like, you know, you look at, you know, what happened in 2016, all these people that voted for Obama and then in, um, you know, in 2008 and 2012 and then voted for Trump in 2016. Right. Um, because they they're like, oh, we need to elevate Trump. We need to, you know, <laughs> and he ended up winning. So it, it's just totally going to backfire. It's really ridiculous. Um, it's the uh, Pied, the Pied Piper, Piper. strategy. Yeah, the Pied exactly. Piper strategy, and it, it backfired. Yep. Uh, yes, there was actually a tweet about the Pied Piper strategy, and it was like a leaked email, right? Um, it, about 2016, and from like with the Clinton campaign talking about how they needed to elevate like different candidates, like Trump, you know, one being one of them. Um, but so I put out a poll on Twitter, actually, uh, and it was like. What I was trying to do with the poll, and I don't know if it really worked, and it's kind of weird, you know, Mr. Green Party guy putting out a poll saying, who do you want the Republicans to run for, you know, president in 2024? You know, and I, I said um, DeSantis, Trump or Cheney. And, uh, you know, people are like, well, I, you know, I don't want any three of, you know, all three of them suck, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, I agree. But. The idea of the poll, and I almost 
preface it by saying, hey, only uh, I really only want like, you know, liberals, you know, like the Democratic Party, like liberals, you know, to, to vote on this poll to see who they wanted for the Republican Party candidate to see if like they would choose Liz Cheney. Um, and then I would send out a bunch of tweets after that saying, look at how hypocritical you are. And, you know, have you looked at Liz Cheney's policies? Do you really do you really think she's the the best evil out there for the Republican Party for you to run against being anti-abortion and again, pro-war, pro-torture? I mean, how would you feel if Liz actually became president, just like Trump became president? You know, um, it, it's just I see a lot of this playing out the way that 2016 played out. Me too. And let me tell you something, Justin, I'll be honest with you. I actually think some of the Democrats in D.C. would rather have Liz Cheney in there instead of Joe Biden, because Joe <laughs> no Biden, no I'm serious, no. because Joe, Joe Biden, his the cognitive decline, it's getting worse and worse and it's becoming more apparent. And so I think they kind of see someone like Joe Biden as a liability. And I also think that's why they're not responding to that question. Like, is he going to run in 2024? And also, do you think he should run? Because they I think they'd rather have someone else in, even if it's a Republican. <laughs> that is spot on. You know, it's um, I just think of like Joe Manchin, you know, like licking his chops to work with uh, Liz Cheney as president. You know, <laughs> think of how much easier things would be for him. They'd rather right? and, they'd and, rather have Joe Manchin too, and 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 the reason yeah. why I say that is because um, Joe Manchin is corporate. He's not going to support progressive policies, which he's already shown us time and time again. So they'd rather have someone like him in too. Yeah, it, it's just it's really crazy. You know, I sometimes wonder as like, well, maybe Liz will you know join the Democratic Party at this point. It's just. It's um, mm -hmm. it's so disgusting. And, you know, they are the Democrats and Republicans are one and the same. And I mean, this is just it's all gross. And um, people that haven't figured out that it's it's time to boycott the Democrats and Republicans in these elections. Um, you know, I hear the calls to boycott elections. But, hey, you can do a little bit better by actually not just boycotting, but voting for a third party candidate if there's somebody in that race. Um, and, you know, and the other thing that, you know, people can do if they're really dissatisfied with the system, register with a third party. Right. If there's a legitimate third party that's actually running candidates, you know, and you don't have to volunteer or do anything with them. Just being registered helps, too. But, um, yeah, um, really good conversation. I don't want to tie up the rest of your time, but I mean, um, yeah. Any any other thoughts on like some of the stuff there with Liz Cheney or, you know, and I don't know if that was helpful. I can throw a link to that poll um, that I put. I, I don't have many votes yet on Twitter on that poll, but it's kind of interesting. And it's interesting, too. Um, DeSantis and, and Cheney are almost tied right now on the poll that I put out. Yeah, I think um, honestly, I think I really think that if Ron DeSantis runs in 2024, I think he would win. And I'll, I'll tell you why, because of some of the positions that the Democratic Party has taken, and this includes mm -hmm. some people on the left, too, in reference to the vaccine mandates, in reference to um, the censorship. Not yeah. now, I'm just saying, like, Ron DeSantis has his own version of censorship down in Florida, but on a, on a nationwide scale. 
Some people have told me, in fact, someone told me this last week, they were a Bernie supporter and they told me that they are going to vote Republican in 2024. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's what they told me. They said they're going to vote Republican. And they said the reason being is because the position that the Democrats took uh, in reference to the vaccine mandates and locking and shutting down the states and stuff like that. mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it, I mean, it's too bad that people feel that they their alternative to to voting Democrat is just um, the Republican Party, right? And I mean, granted, the Green Party, okay, um, you know, they, they the steering committee put out a lousy statement on vaccine mandates, which a lot of us opposed, right? Um, the, but of course, you know, nobody talks about those of us in the Green Party that opposed that statement, right? And you know, it was made by our leaders, if you will, the the the, the seven co-chairs of the party, or, uh, nine, you know, of the, anyways, you know, it was a statement that we, but that doesn't mean that we actually feel that way as a party about mandates and vaccines, uh, right? So, but it sucks that people think of it, that the only alternative is to vote for Republican, really. And um, it's too bad, you know, uh, people should vote for, you know, the party, the the person sorry people shouldn't vote for the party they should vote for the person that best represents their values and um be a third party or whatever but um i don't want to take all your time i want to hear from the rest of your your callers here i'm looking forward to hearing from ashura and others so um but yeah you know if if i'm i'm really busy tomorrow i don't know when you're coming up to portland but it would be great to catch up for a beer with you uh you know over there good fire or something like that um but yeah um Reach out if if you if you if you um have a little time on Sunday or something. All right, Justin, I'll keep you posted. Cool. Be well and um great job tonight again. Um uh, really appreciate the conversation and everybody um on call in here and um and your show of course. Best wishes. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right, Ashura, you are the next caller. You're on the mic. Hello, Sabby. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, almost fell asleep. Your guy was talking so much. I had to catch myself. <laughs> <laughs> I had to catch myself. Right when we was about to say work, I'm gonna leave. That's when I caught myself. I'm like, fuck. I almost went to sleep. Um, I didn't know you did a call in yesterday about the Jank Uger thing. So I'm gonna just go quick on the things I want to say before I get to the Cheney one. On uh, the Jake Uger, Brianna, uh, uh, Brianna thing, it was a, it was a total shit show. Um, <laughs> as Jimmy put it, Brianna uh, Joy Gray has a knack to go on shows that they don't fucking like her, <laughs> and she thinks that it's gonna go well or that's gonna, they're gonna have a discussion, but it wasn't a discussion. <laughs> it was all about Jimmy Dore. <laughs> as Jimmy Dore put it in his video, like anytime they invite her on a show. You know, it's not about for them to have a discussion, all right? They have an they have an agenda behind that that, that discussion. And it was about Jimmy Dore. Like he couldn't stop bringing up Jimmy Dore, and it brought up like the debate with uh, Sam Cedar. And you can see Jake every time Jake is shaking his head, like he's he, he's frustrated. Like he, he he wants to he wants to basically get his point across, but Brianna's not doing it. There's a point where Jake puckers his lips it looks like a fucking asshole that has been constipated for days 
<laughs> what? <laughs> well, look, well, look at the video. There's a way, there's a weird way where he basically when you quarter jack on bullshit, he puckers his lips. <laughs> it's, it looks like a fucking constipated asshole. <laughs> I'm like, bro. That's when you know you've caught him. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, no. And then you got the asshole fucking lip bit. And I'm like, I'm like, Brianna's just, Brianna's like, is just walking all over him without even doing much. She's walking over him. And every time he catches himself, he's like, okay, okay, yeah, I, I can't do it. Okay, move on. You try it again. Okay, okay, it's not working. Move on. I'm like, dude, what did you bring her on for? As Jimmy said, like they were using her as a as, um, Jimmy and Max. They said they were using her as a proxy, like a goddamn punching bag for Jimmy Dore, for Max Boone, for for Aaron Bate. It wasn't working. And I heard and that for in the views. Comments, yeah, and I heard and in the for comments, views. Yeah, I heard in the comment section they were just shitting on Jake, like everyone. I'm like, dude, you you do know you're not coming off very well, you know. You may be a brown looking dude, but I've never. I've never heard Jane Uger go go going around basically supporting the black community. When he's ever done Because <laughs> yeah, like this guy always says like well, because he's brown, he thinks he can say shit about the black community, but he can't. This guy's a he's a he's a he's a he's a hidden sexist, he's a racist himself. So he'll he'll pretend that he's left, but he's not left, he's like center, center right, if not full right, because he was a right winger. Um when it comes to the two guys, Fetterman and Dr. Oz, um, fuck them. Uh, somebody get in there. Like, Dr. Oz, I, I was watching that shit. Like, did you see when he tried to do that uh, Republican ad? It sounded like yes. a commercial for vegetables. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like a commercial for vegetables. Oh, eat these healthy greens. Eat these, you're like, bro, you're touching that shit. Why don't you just fucking buy it? Like, I've I live here in Canada, and mostly when politicians go to a shop, they actually buy that shit. Because you look like a fucking dick after you fucking touch that shit, you don't, you don't buy it. And, and, and a shit he was saying today, it's like he was saying, oh my god, this guy's like so radical. And the stuff you brought up, Fetterman, he's not radical. He seems like a fucking liberal. And uh, he's, right, he's, not even, he's not even progressive, which he said himself. Yeah, but 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 the guys like Kyle, when you said on your show, oh, you know who you are promoting this guy, and I, <laughs> I know you were talking about. I know it was guys like the Vanguard or uh, Jim, uh, what's them, Kyle Kalinsky, Crystal Ball. They like to prep the guy off without even tell you who is who he is really, and he's not he's not that. This he's is where the progressive movement has gone. They went from promoting people like Cory Bush who at the time I felt was the most legitimate, Corey Bush and Paula Jean Swearingen, those yeah. were people who actually came from activism, people who came from poverty. They went from promoting them, people who were out fighting in the streets, to now promoting John Fetterman. What This is what has happened to the progressive movement. They're promoting lukewarm John Fetterman. Yeah. Like the the point that uh, I noticed when it comes to both parties, you have to fucking do fealty to Israel. I mean, if you're an immigrant, you move to the United States, you live in the United States. So I'm pretty sure you're going to have to pay fealty to the country you currently live in, not to some other country, unless you want to move back to like, like, uh, what's her name? Um, the Somalian woman, um, Ilhan Omar. 
right? Like she has to basically swear fealty to Israel. They all said they weren't going to do it. And then you realize Talib did it. One time she voted for something that went to Israel. She did it. Ilhan Omar did it. I'm mm-hmm. like, these people don't, 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 they, they have no fucking principles. They will basically, if, if, if it looks convenient and they're not going to get pressured as much, they'll fucking vote for it. So That's they're bunch, right. They're a bunch of fucking warmongers. They're corporatists. They're nothing that what they say they are on paper. And uh, right. for, the, for the for the stealther thing, uh, I wrote a comment. Basically, you, did, you didn't read it because I, I, I poked it at you. And uh, remember that joke? Uh, Jimmy brought, brings it up all the time. He brought it out today. The one about uh, stealther, he was on uh, like a panel. And he said like, oh, uh, CNN doesn't care about ratings. We're not like that. People laughed laughed at him, and I commented you that. Look, guess what? I mean, CNN doesn't care about ratings. I mean, I guess why why is he getting canned? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess see, I just I wrote down. Well, I I wrote down what he said, and I basically added at you on the chat. I said, well, CNN doesn't care about ratings, but Stelter is going away, and that the Stelter the Stelter image, it looked like why am I gone? Why am I why, why, why am I being asked? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you even look at the picture, it's fucking funny. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're all going down. It might be a. They, it, they it really might... are. I'm trying to tell you. I'm telling you. Roger Roger Meadows told me he picked up the people. It was two people that worked at Fox and Friends, and he tried to tell them like, you know, you guys like, you know, independent media is kind of your ratings are low. People are starting to watch other media, and they told Roger Meadows like, yeah, we know our time is limited. Well, yeah, well, so I, don't, I don't know for Fox, but I, the Fox people, they always, they're always tight with their viewers, but it's the CNN but, people, like the MSNBCs, they're going away, like CNN's going to be the first one, they're taking out all the, all the guys, I'm pretty sure it might be, it might be where they just, they keep the women, I don't think they're going to take out the women, I, I'm pretty sure, uh, what's his name, uh, Don Lemon is going to probably be the last one, they're going to take all the men out, and basically put the Don Lemon as the last guy standing, and they're all gonna say kind words as they go out the door instead of <laughs> instead of basically He's trashing them. Either because doesn't um Don Lemon has like sexual assault allegations really? for a second time to- for a second time. I always find it funny when people bring up sexual assault things about when when it, when it comes to gay dudes. I'm like, really, gay dudes can basically do sexual assault? I'm like, Any, anyone can do sexual assault. It's not. It doesn't matter if you're straight or if you're or you're gay or not. Anyone can do sexual assault, but this is the second time that someone has come out against John Lim, uh, Don Lemon in reference to this. The first guy was paid off. What well, I remember, I remember hearing something about that. Wasn't that about him touching some guy's butt or some shit like that? I think it went a little bit further than that. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I, I, well, yeah, about the Liz Cheney thing. Um, this is my last topic. Um, I, I watched the poll. Like before you went on, the poll was at thirty-one or thirty-five something. And I always assume like every time you guys do a poll, there's always like a couple of viewers that kind of disappoint you when you look at the polls, where the the obvious answer is a complete no. I've never seen a one hundred percent no on something on RBN or on your channel. And there's always like these stragglers who believe just because they got that Trump derangement syndrome. They'll, they'll take anything against Trump. They'll take anything. 
I'm like, the answer is simple. Why did you say no completely? Why do we have have a couple of people basically going one third saying, I'll vote for Cheney? You do know your country got fucked up because of her father, right? So why would you why would you want her as president along with Hillary Clinton, by the way? Who basically brought slavery back to what what's that country again? Libya. And she bragged about it. We came. Uh, we we saw oh, he's dead or some shit like that. Forgot what the what the saying was. Well, I wonder who they are. Like I, that's what I was saying. I wonder who are the people that voted for that said that Liz Cheney could beat them. Uh, I think you got. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it's basically. So here's what I think. I think you got you guys got, got a couple of liberals who think they are progressive, and uh, progressive or, or and uh, progressive and uh, what's the what's the other word? Uh, what the other word is but i think they're progressive because they're liberal but if you still have trump on your fucking brain you're not you're not you're not left yeah that's the word i was to look left or progressive you're not left you're not progressive if he's still on your if liberals are still no democrats not democrats republicans are still on your brain trump is still on your brain you 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 still need more work because uh i was talking to some guy back and forth he said that um you know jimmy has talked about how when it comes to people, people's rights to say something, even if you disagree with them, you should be you should be basically fighting for those rights regardless, like an Alex Jones or a Donald Trump. And if basically they say something you don't like, like a lie, you got laws to go after them. Like Alex Jones, uh, I think the Sandy Hook thing is going to just bring down his entire network because he, yeah. he just won't shut up about it. Because every time he comes out, he goes to court and then says, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was all an act. Then he goes on his show and just does the reverse. And now I thought this thing was over and they keep milking Alex Jones and he's not going to have any money out of this. Mm-mm-mm. And uh, basically this guy was complaining with me and others in the chat. I'm like, we're not defending Alex Jones or uh, or, or Trump. We're, we're calling out the hypocrisy, and if he's seen some dumb shit, you got laws to, to basically sue him in court. So no I one. Called a secret, I was called a secret trumper today. That was funny. Oh. No, the, the word the word I, I, I was hearing is sycophant in the chat. Sycophant, sycophant, this, sycophant, that. I'm like, bro, you got no excuse. And when I asked the person, "What's your proof?" He directed me to thumbnails on Jimmy Dore's uh, channel. I'm like, bro, I saw the video. I know what the fuck he said. Why are you calling people basically like sycophants and shit unless you don't like Jimmy Dore and you say you watched Jimmy Dore when he was at TYT days. I mean, a lot of people change on Jimmy Dore that say, oh, now he's a Trumper, he's this, whatever the fuck. So that, that to me makes no sense. Because they're not actually watching the videos. Um, I have noticed that myself too. Like they'll just look at the thumbnail but they won't actually watch it. Yeah, they don't watch watch the video. Yeah. And then and then they brought up, oh, Jimmy Dore said he would take corporate money. I'm, I'm like, Jimmy Dore is fucking joking. He was laughing. <laughs> Jimmy Dore does that. He does that all the time. He says, man, I'd take that corporate money if I if I did. I, I would take that money and I would basically spread leftism right on that show. But then he says, nah, nah. I'm, I'm like, don't take the money, Jimmy. Be yourself. Yeah, but they, you know what? You know, I think they know that. Um, Ashura. Um, I think I honestly think there's this like, well, I know for sure there are some troll farms. 
and I've seen them on Twitter and like, um, you know, case study QSB is, is not in here tonight, but, um, they came after him on Twitter and I looked at every single one of those really? profiles in the comment. Oh yeah. I looked at every single one of the profiles in the, um, QB is like the male version of Brianna Joy Gray. Doesn't matter to them. He criticized. They, they don't care. He criticized someone from the democratic party. So I, as soon as he said that, and they just, they swam in and you can tell they always swoop in all at once. And I clicked on every single profile that commented. And I was like, all these mofos are bots. You yeah, can tell. Uh, Jackson, like, Jackson was on Jimmy's show. He, he brought out like a receipt about all these fucking troll farms saying, oh, we, we managed to take out uh, Jackson Hengel because he was saying truth about the Ukraine. Jimmy Dore's yep. next. Yeah, I'm they ain't going to be able to take out Jimmy Dore. Yeah, well, let me tell you, um, on Discord, and I don't know if I've told this to you guys, but they have Discord groups and they have uh, Twitter DM groups and they're just troll farms. And all they do is try to take alternative voices out. That's all they do. That's it. Yeah. People people that they have no life. No life. Well, I remember Kakolinski once said that Twitter has Twitter is no life. But I kind some part of me said that's kind of bullshit because he's on Twitter, Jimmy's on Twitter. I mean, everybody responds to anything fucking thing that happens, gets caught on Twitter. So how is it not life if people are communicating with people? Yeah, honestly, that's the same talking point I've heard from mainstream media, to be honest. I've actually heard Megan McCain say that multiple times on The View, that Twitter is not real life. But uh, she on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the same woman that, that tweeted that fucking shit about Ilhan Omar and then deleted them as if people didn't screenshot it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm probably going to watch the Brianna Joy Gray video uh, thing with, uh, what's it called, um, Jank, just to see what the comments say. But uh, uh, I wonder if you can have a guy on your show. I don't know if you've ever heard about him. Um, his name is uh, Vin. His channel is Vin and Sorry. He's a Republican, you'll, by the way. You'll have to DM it to me because I won't remember a sure. I'm just being honest. Okay. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Because people give like, me a lot of names. Because he, he's like an honest Republican where he doesn't do that same bullshit that you hear some, some Republicans say. He's basically fair. He said he was, he said Bernie, the reason why he basically listens to leftist podcasts is because he, he listened to Bernie. Like he saw Killer Mike. He was taking how he basically Killer Mike convinced him to watch Bernie say, he saw Bernie, Bernie with Killer Mike. And then uh, he watched his videos, what policies with Bernie was for. And uh, that convinced him to basically vote for Bernie. Interesting. Oh, case study just entered the chat, I think. But all right, Ashura, I want to go on to yeah. the next caller because we got a line okay. of callers. But okay. thanks so much for calling in. Right. Okay, next caller on the mic is Greg Bruce. You are on the mic. You just have to unmute. Case, I'm going to make you a, um, a speaker if you want to speak. Okay, Greg. Okay. Uh, hey, what's your take? Sabs. Much love to you. Uh, I'll, I'll mute myself. Much love to you in the chat. And we're Pilgrim. I see you, buddy. Much love to everybody. Thanks, Case. We were just talking about how um, I was just telling them how, 
you got a couple of uh, attacks on Twitter. Oh, you saw that? Um, from one of the posts. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you know, Kit Kit from Hardlands Media, he put me on. He, he told me, he was like, they coming after Case. And I said, Kit, I said, look, I clicked on all these profiles. These people are bots. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they are bots because you know why I'm I'm not I'm not surprised if they're bots or not. You know why? Because I I have a disclaimer on my account. They've been like throttling that, or they put that little disclaimer gate like as if I'm pornography or something on my account. And I'm like, so wait a minute, you telling me all these K Hive people actually went through and clicked through the disclaimer to then um, criticize me? Like I don't believe it. <laughs> mhm. Yeah. But I, okay. I'll tell you what what happened if you don't mind me um, discussing that situation real quick. Um, basically, I, I put out a click with Lauren Underwood, and I remember I forgot exactly what it was, but she didn't um, rub me the right way. She said a comment I, I don't remember that. Basically, it, it was obvious that she's not a progressive. Like even like at least to a certain extent, you want people to like be pretend like or not pretend, but at least would vote for Medicare for all. And I don't know if she would even vote for Medicare for all. So when she was talking and she had a, a clip and an interview where she was just so gleeful about passing crumbs. I mean, it was, and you know me, Sabs, I'm not somebody that's um, re- really editorialized to to put people down to a certain extent, unless I really feel a certain way. I'm, I'm somebody that's trying to build solidarity, even with the right, the left, even with neoliberals, I'm trying to build solidarity so that we could pass progressive legislation. But the way she used so gleeful about passing crumbs, I mean, she was like, oh, I, I'm so happy I passed my legislation, got into the, the inflationary bill. And you know what, if you, if you have 9% of your salary, if it meets a certain criteria, then you can get insurance. And it's like, so wait, does it, it has to be a, a blue moon with the sun at a 30 degree angle degree, you know, all these means testing to get help. You know, it's just sick in my stomach so much that if you look at that clip, like I just said, look at this, this neoliberal show, like boasting about patting their back about crumbs. And it yep. really pissed me off. And when I put that, that's when they all came for me. Anyway, I talked enough. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> Thanks so much, Case. All right, Greg, what's your take on this? All right. So it, I mean, it, I think it's laughable, the whole uh, Liz Cheney thing. I mean, she lost to, as an incumbent, I believe, she lost uh, her primary by 40 points. I mean, that's just that's just insane. That's got to be, like, historically bad for an incumbent. Uh, at least one of her of her stature. I mean, she was the daughter of vice president, and you know, kind of a darling of the of the establishment. So, yeah, I mean, the media is going to like her. She's still, you know, corporate backed. I think she outraised her opponent by like what fivefold or something like that. Um, one thing I will say is that, like, when when I hear that, well, Trump is against the establishment, I, I kind of disagree with that to some extent because. Um, you know, you, you put his lip service aside and you put the Russia kid aside, he's he's just as much a warmonger as everybody else. You know, tr- Trump increased our presence in the, in, in the Black Sea, increased our spending on Ukraine aid, sanctions on Russia. I mean, he, he's just part of the, the same warmongering machine. He's just not the, the favorite of the, uh, of the warmongers, that being Liz Cheney, um, you know, daughter of, of you know, one of the biggest architects of the Iraq war. So 
I think that's all it is. It's just the, like her residual stature as being part of that old Republican dynasty. Um, she's not going to do any better than Kamala Harris did in the primaries or someone like Jeb Bush did in the Republican primaries. Um, I think it's just the fact that she's has that residual stature uh, is why she's still st staying re relevant in the media. I mean, the, the I will say the media, the Democrat-aligned media, loves Republicans who don't like Trump. I mean, look how they they absolutely loved uh, John McCain, despite being like, you know, <laughs> um, uh, the, pretty much like the quintessential neocon Republican. Um, so. I don't know. Like to be honest, like my my take on this is that it's just going to be irrelevant when the election comes. It's not going to be a revelation. We saw what happened to Jeb Bush. We know what um, how, how the Republican base feels about the you know Republicans who don't like Trump. Um, it's it's just not going to go anywhere. Um, it would. Be, I, I liked what the uh, caller earlier said was that. Um, it would be interesting to see some Democrats get unmasked as they start to support Liz Liz Cheney. Um, you know, I think they're gonna they're unmasking themselves anyway, though. Um, but yeah, I think uh, when we get to 2024, it's gonna, you know, Liz Cheney is just gonna fizzle out very quickly, and that that Republican primary could end up being between DeSantis and Donald Trump, and um, I don't know that 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 actually could be interesting. I, I I think Trump would probably win that one, but it would be um, it would be an interesting to see how the Republican base handles that. Um, but yeah, I mean that's just my overall spiel on it. Yeah, I'm telling people I feel like they're making Trump more popular. Case, I want to get your opinion on this too, in reference to uh, Democrats pushing Liz Cheney for 2024. Yeah, I was pretty disgusted and, and disappointed when uh, Robert Rice uh, had that article about, you know, Liz Cheney 2024 as running as a Democrat. And this he was supposed to be the most progressive person in the Bill Clinton administration, Secretary of Labor. And um, is an obvious hard no. It, it just shows you how much influence the mainstream media has over the Democratic Party still or the Democratic base the the liberal base and it's sad that we have to advocate for her not to be in the democratic party but i mean i don't think um it's a, a real serious discussion I, was that was anybody's um other than robert rice you, you think like is there a lot of discussion of her really running as a democrat because even everything i've heard i heard kyle kalinsky um on my way in today kyle and crystal ball talked about her running as a republican or independent but i haven't heard only Robert Rice, literally, have I heard talk, run as a Democrat. Is that what you're talking about? Her running as a Democrat? Nah. Um, they were talking about it on CNN. Oh, really? About her running as a Democrat on CNN? Not as a Democrat, but oh, her, her okay. running for president. Running, okay, but, so question. Just but, running for president, period, right? That's what your question is? Right. But, but the thing is, on mm -hmm. CNN, they were actually in support of it. That's the problem. Yeah, so th I think they're in support of her running as a Republican. Or I don't know about her, but I think there's support out there running for her running as a Republican or independent strictly to try to prevent Trump from winning. Like if he does get the nomination or to try to hurt Trump in some way. That's I think that's the only reason 
they would support her. I don't think they think she can actually become president. That's that's my personal opinion. Well, John um, said that he thinks that she could beat Trump because he he said that if there's a a Trump-like figure, Mm -hmm. that he thinks that she could actually win. And I disagree with that. We did a poll tonight, and Mm -hmm. I said, do you think that Liz Cheney could beat Trump or Ron DeSantis? Mm -hmm. 90% said no, 10% said yes. So this is what I think. Um, if, if Trump runs, and I think he's going to, if he does decide to run, he's going to d- decide probably before everybody else um, jumps in a race. And as soon as he decides to run, a Ron DeSantis, DeSantis is not going to run, right? So he's automatically going to be like in VP contention, probably get picked to be VP, but he's not going to run. And so then therefore Trump will be the, the Trumpiest Trump will be Trump, right? Everybody else is going to be like an establishment Republican and therefore will be um, diluting that side of the vote. So including Liz, um, Liz Cheney, um, Pence, um, who else? The, the guy, the governor of Maryland, you know, they said he's somebody that's against Trump, but, but he might run for president. They're all going to dilute that establishment vote and and hurt each other while if it was... Um, if it was just Trump and Liz Cheney directly, and that's it, now you might have some kind of fight, even though I still think Trump will consolidate and um, and beat. You know, the incumbent usually beats, like, the challenger anyway. But, yeah, I agree with you and the chat. There's no Liz has no chance of getting the Republican nomination. Yeah, Greg, what's your take on that? Do you think she would get the nomination? And why is it okay for her to run as a spoiler candidate, but it's not okay for a Green Party candidate to run as a spoiler candidate? Uh It's not okay for Independent to run as a spoiler candidate? Yeah, well, it's whether or not they're part of the duopoly. It's it's, it's okay for a duopoly to exist. It's not okay for third parties to exist. It's very clear. If I could jump in here. Um, And yeah, there's definitely a double standard. I, I, yeah, I don't think she would have stand a snowball's chance in hell. Even if now, I'm not sure if you would call DeSantis establishment, but let's just say um, Liz Cheney and every other Republican, let's say it's a whole bunch of establishment people, and consolidated, and you had that one consolidated person, whether it's Liz Cheney or someone else, and they all kind of got behind that one person, and then you had DeSantis and or Trump. Even that person wouldn't stand a chance. Like anyone part of this this um, uh, this dying breed of uh, of establishment Republican is just not going to stand a chance against uh, Trump, unless unless you consider DeSantis establishment. I guess he kind of is, but um, but yeah, like no one other than DeSantis or Trump stands a chance of, at the nomination, in my opinion. Okay, thanks so much for calling in, Greg. I'm gonna go to the next caller. And that is uh, Sinway. You are on the mic. You just have to unmute. Oh, just got to unmute Sinway. There you go. Hi. Yeah. Okay. I'm do- For my iPad, it is very slow. The app runs really slow on my iPad. So that's what's going on. Okay. So... Liz Cheney, twenty twenty four. I, I don't care. And admittedly, um, I s- just 
like what last week I switched my party affiliation to I can't remember because apparently in Maryland there was another okay but I don't think it was a green party I think it was like workers something party or so and then there was other I can't remember which one I switched to but basically I'm not I I switched out being a Democrat so I'm actually being in the like basically just not part of the duopoly and like um, I I answer that Liz, this that Cheney would have no chance of winning. I mean, expect uh, if she runs her campaign very similar to Hillary, then there's a good chance Trump would end up winning. Um, and if Trump wins, well, if it gets people back active in the streets again, okay, just all right. I mean, there's the activist thing again, though. Admittedly, it's certainly not going to feel the same. On what, well, all of us know now. Um. Yeah, I, I hear you. I just wish it wouldn't be, um, I just wish it wasn't just like Trump that pushed people to get out in the streets, you know? Because yep. we still have the same issues. I mean, it's just... I wish like people would just look at like their economic conditions and say something has to change just like people did in France, just like people did in Sri Lanka, you know, how they just like rose up and like, I'd never seen that before. Like just a crowd of people just kicked the prime minister out of his house. (laughs) It is awesome. But also, well, then again, those countries didn't exactly have a completely propagandized country and, um, having lost all their revolutionary leaders during this, during the sixties to the eighties, so there's that. But some of the bright side, there is cons- there is workers rising up. Um, there's uh, so besides Starbucks and Amazon, there is tech, because I think independent uh, left news uh, did, has a. I saw a clip that says that. Uh, workers at a video game, a small video game company, had unionized, and I hadn't finished the clip, I didn't watch the clip all the way through to see if, um, let's see, the if other tech companies, uh, workers from uh, a tech company is starting or to, to unionize, and teachers, let's see, there's teachers going on strike, is another one, so... On the bright side, there are work. The workers are more and more workers are rising up. That's true. I actually talked about um on RBN tonight. There's a group of uh student um student loan uh recipients. Oh yeah, fifty age fifty and over nice. that have made the announcement that if Joe Biden doesn't cancel student debt by the end of August that they're going on a student debt strike and they're not going to pay anything. And that would actually really hurt the student loan companies. But what's interesting is this is a group of activists that are age 50 and up. And that just goes to show you the student loan, uh, the student loan debt issue is not just with millennials and Gen Z, you know? Yeah. I saw uh, parts of that and it's really, it's definitely heartening uh, to see, add that on top. So, you really get, um, they do, 
end up organizing. Um, hopefully, uh, solidar we can um everyone can provide solidarity solidarity with them. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I talked to my loved one, my wife, and she was like, "I said, would you vote for Biden if he forgive ten thousand dollars worth of student debt?" She's like, "Nope, that's not enough because." Mm -hmm. She definitely has more than that, and I have more than ten thousand also. Yeah. Um, and then I said, "Well, well what about the fifty thousand? Say, okay, now fifty thousand. Now we're talking, you know. So, but I'd rather him just cancel it because you personal. Yeah. So speak the speaking of the student debt. Did did he say like he canceled student debt for ITT? Especially I read that. University. I read that, and I was like. Um, yeah, about that. How many people go to ITT? Is it a bad university or? Yeah, it's not. It's like a, um, it kind of reminds me of University of Phoenix a little bit. Like it's, right. it's kind of like, like back in the day, they used to have DeVry, uh, DeVry, DeVry or whatever. Um, okay. where they would teach you like these technical, um, skills, but the thing is, like, the majority of people that have student loan debt didn't go to ITT. That's the thing. Yes. So it's just like, it's not much. Jeez. It's more of that neoliberal mean testing. Like, we're not going to do the whole forgiven cancellation, but we're going to do the sliver of a slice of oh, 1% of a 1% help those people out. You know, it's, it's yeah. I don't understand it. Low hang fruit. Agreed. Just to get easy grind points. Sounds like. Yeah. Well, Simway, um, thanks so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller, which is Omar. No problem. Have a good night. Hey, hey. Well, Omar um, uh, uh, jumps in. Can I, first, I want to thank you again, Saz, for always giving me uh, shout outs and using the clips. And um, I saw that you uh, used the clip with Dr. Oz. And, and I, <laughs> I just wanted to make the point that, hey, See, here's a guy with the um he had a platform because of course Fox News is giving him a platform to try to beat John Fetterman. And he's like, Hey, this guy is non existent. What he said, he's he's um he's fighting against himself or or fighting by himself or whatever I said in his quote. But I was like, Hey, I I would work with solidarity to have a bill that every every time there's a primary or a general that we have at least like five debates. We should we should automatically get five debates if you get um maybe a certain amount of um the the polling like i guess the criteria should be you should get one percent at least in the polling and also um maybe that should be it right there and then you could have it a debate because that would help third parties that would help um in challengers who don't have a name and that's something that we've been um complaining about for a while for example nancy pelosi hasn't debated anyone in like 30 something years some crazy mm -hmm. amount of years so um, yeah, I just want to point that out real quick. I think every candidate should have to debate. Yeah, yeah, but you're right because, like, um, I think if Shahu, uh, Shahid Buttar had the chance mm -hmm. to debate Nancy Pelosi, mm -hmm. people, more people would have had a chance to hear what he had to say. You know, 100%. I agree. All right, Omar, you're on the mic. Just gotta unmute. Hey, Sabby. Hey, how are you? I'm all right. Um... I yeah, it's good to hear that you're going up to Portland. I was just there. You're probably going to miss uh, the heat, um, but I just wanted to make uh, some quick points. Um, Liz Cheney getting uh, endorsements from Democrats just kind of underlines 
what some pundits have said that both parties have shifted way to the right. Um, and Obama even admitted, I think I've said this to you before, that um, he would be considered a moderate Republican by uh, like 1980s standards. So it's this is just ridiculous and and it's been happening like um, that meme with the frog in, in, in boiling water that just keeps on getting mentioned. Like it just happened so slowly and we just kind of obediently well, some of us obediently just kind of went along with it and believe that the uh, Democrats are on the left side, but they're both uh, right-wing parties. Um, another thing about Bree's um, uh, appearance on Jenks, uh TYT shit show hour, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't think it was, a lost cause um, because I think uh, Bree's really shrewd um, and she's mentioned this kind of approach before where she goes and quote unquote debates somebody but gives them enough rope to hang themselves and I think that's that's basically what she was doing um, is just letting Jenk make a total fool of himself and I don't I, I don't necessarily think you know she's going to be friends with him I don't, I don't she's too smart for that um she she knew what she was doing she's very shrewd debater and she's and i've seen her do this a few times with other people and and they just thoroughly embarrass themselves and that's what he did and you you could see it in the comments uh, she was just exposing him for for what he is is just a neoliberal um, the, the, who's opportunistic, who doesn't have much depth in his analysis, who's childish, who is obsessed <laughs> with Jimmy Dore. Um, and yeah, like, I, I think it was, there was a, there was some utility in what she did because he's just further exposed for, for what he is. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I was going to have another point, but I, I'll, I'll stop there. Yeah. There are other people. Yeah, well, it's just, I think that Jink is like, uh, he really kind of lost it there, huh? Like, I mean, <laughs> he, he kept bringing up Jimmy Dore, and I was like, like, literally halfway through the discussion, I was just like, okay. <laughs> I said, this guy, I think this is might be a little bit of an obsession, because like, I'm like, are you obsessed with Jimmy Dore? Like, Jimmy Dore, <laughs> at the same time, like, Jimmy Dore's probably not thinking about you. Like, you you really are living rent-free in his head. You're letting him live rent-free in your head. Like, I just didn't understand that. I'm like, what does this have to do with Jimmy Dore? And like, and he's like, oh, and Glenn Greenwald and da-da-da-da. And I'm like, why are you talking to her about those individuals, but you won't have the conversation with them, which is what she did ask. So to me, it just seems like you're just being disingenuous. Like, really, yeah. like, he exposed, like... He is he exposed to me, which I figured this before this happened. He never had any real intention of trying to bridge any divide on the left. No. And I, I feel like the only reason he brought Bree on there was to get views for TYT. Like that's what I feel. I felt like it was just to get views for TYT. I mean, I've seen their analytics. I've shown it before on my show. I told you guys. Like they're not the, yeah, they got all those subscribers, but I'm trying to tell you. They hadn't been gaining any subs and people yeah. like if you have over 5 million subs, 
how are your views what they are? Because look at somebody like Russell Brand, right? He has over five million too. I think he passed TYT now. Yeah, he's look got five point eight million, I think. Okay. So look at his view count and look at their view count. And he talked about the same thing. He talks about politics too, right? So, and granted, I know he's a celebrity and stuff like that, but at the same time, I think some people have turned away from TYT. And so some of those subs, maybe old subs, which it happens sometimes where people signed up to you, they subscribed to you like years ago, but they didn't stay with you because sometimes maybe because of messaging, like, People kind of feel like, look, you you kind of sound like you're moving a little bit further to the right than you are to the left. And some people move further left than TYT. Yeah. Yeah. Jenk is such an arrogant knucklehead. Um, like the way he challenged Joe Rogan, a, a MMA martial artist, the way he challenged Bree, like he just got his ass handed to him. And he's so arrogant and he's just completely clueless. To how he came off. I mean, he has he has no shame. <laughs> and and yeah, bringing up, I I think like challenging to fight like Joe Rogan again. Like to me, it's just like it's funny because him and Joe Rogan. And I saw this on another podcast a while back. Him and Joe Rogan at one point actually were going to meet with different cable networks to see if they could start a show on cable. That was that was when everybody was still cool with each other, though. Wow. Just FYI. Yeah. Like, at one point, they were going to start, but it didn't take, I guess. Like, the cable networks were like, no, we're not going to, you know. So, that didn't happen, but they did entertain entertain it. And, like, I thought about doing that at one point, according to Jink from that podcast interview that I saw of him. And my thing is, is just, like, that just goes to show you, like, how things change like from then how so many people are like split now you know yeah yeah well guys something that i just saw yesterday um yesterday on the news and i heard you talk about this um about how cable news uh on your show saps cable news are losing audience for the first time also on the news that the streaming services have just beat cable tv so like if you combine hulu paramount plus netflix etc they're now getting more viewership than cable TV. So definitely independent news is the future. Yeah, it's too expensive. Like for me, cable is too expensive. (laughs) Like I haven't had cable in a couple of years, I'll be honest. Because like they start off with like that small package and then you're only paying like 50 something and then next thing you know, but it continues to go up and then it got to like 180 and we're like, why are we paying this much for cable and we only watch like four channels? (laughs) My parents just cut the um, cord themselves and they're like in their 60s. So if they're cutting the cord, I'm like, yeah, the cable TV is going to be extinct in a few years. I hear you because like, like honestly, and I know this is going off topic, but like, I'm trying to think about what do I actually watch on cable besides like sports. Like I will watch games mm-hmm. on take on cable because some of them are only on cable channels. Like mm-hmm. some of those games. You know what's um, funny though? Hulu now has sports. And this yeah. my wife is a big Yankees fan. I know you're a Boston Red Sox fan. Oh but no. This, <laughs> but there's certain uh channels um that she can't even get Yankees sometimes on yes when there's a lot of sports going on. She has to go to like I think Amazon Prime has Yankees games now. So like even the regular cable cable TV is not showing sports like on certain in certain ways. Wow. I huh? have to look into that. I huh? um 
Yeah, most of the stuff that I watch is is like on Netflix or Hulu. It's not like on cable, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, go ahead, Omar. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, <laughs> I I just wanted to kind of put a kind of a question out there for you. Like I've the left is falling apart. Um, there's just so much like petty fighting between people who agree on a lot of issues and and maybe they, you know, they disagree on COVID. And we need to learn to disagree with each other constructively. Like the attack on Glenn Greenwald, I, I don't know what his motivations are, but like I've seen an interview with him recently. Uh, it was kind of like a more conservative venue, but he was being asked about a bunch of different topics. And like he has some solid progressive stances. And I've seen recently like a lot of attacks on him by like Owen Higgins and and other people who I respect, I don't, I mean, I don't know anything about Owen Higgins, but other people I respect kind of going after him. I'm like, he goes on the Vanguard and, and has addressed like their problems with him, like respectfully, they had a dialogue. I've seen him do that uh, with um, Nathan J. Robinson on Bree's show. Like, I want people to engage with each other. Um, like, and they, they're like talking about each other. And it's just kind of creating all this like vitriol and it's just going to get, make him react and, and entrench himself more in, in that position or whatever position he is. I think he's a very complicated person, but I respect him for what he did with uh, the Snowden story and other, and other, um, and other issues. Uh, but yeah, like, I, I just wanted to know like what you think about Glenn Greenwald uh yeah, in general, and and what I just said, um, and then I'll just get off now and let other people talk. Well, I mean, I mean, I can tell you, like for me, I haven't had a chance to talk to him. I've invited him on multiple times. He's been also been invited on RBN, um, but he won't come on. So he, in order to have those, no, he said no, or he. Or is he not responsive in communication? Because I mean, if he goes to he goes uh, on the van the vanguard, like the vanguard, I, I'm sorry, like mm-hmm. I don't really have much respect for them. I have so much more respect for RBN uh, in its analysis versus the vanguard. Like he's been on their show several times. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to say this in a nice way. Um, there's a big difference between us and the Vanguard. I'm just going to say that on the surface, there's a big difference. So we already have a disadvantage. And two, they were able to, and again, no shade to the Vanguard because like, I do know them. <clears throat> yeah. Van- Vanguard was one of like, like they came on my channel back when I only had 2000 subscribers, you guys. That was like back in the day. That was before I joined RBN. So that was like way back in the day. And I think they had just reached like 3,000 subs. So this was like before people started to like grow. And so that's something I always try to keep in mind. But I will say that, I will say based on what I've seen, they were able to get support from certain people in this space that basically kind of connected them with certain people to bring them on their show. 
And unfortunately for those of us at RBN, we were not given that. Hmm. So everybody that you see that we've brought on, especially like over at RBN or on my show, most of the time we had to do it ourselves. Like we just had to do a shot in the dark, like send a DM and we could only send DMs most of the time if they followed us back on Twitter. Um, or they had an e- they had an email address that was posted publicly somewhere, and we just took a chance and sent them an email, and they said, "Yeah, we'll come on." But it was definitely a lot harder for us, and that's why, like, you may see some guests come on the Vanguard that you've never seen come on RBN or my show, and that's because they had help. We didn't have help. We still don't have help. So I think that's a big part of it. But like, I know I've reached out to Glenn Greenwald multiple times. And I mean, I know he's seen the email because I have, um, I use email campaign because that avoids the spam filter. So with email campaign, it shows me when they've actually opened the email. It doesn't even tell me just that. It'll show me if they've actually clicked on any links in the email because I have links. It tells me everything. So, again, like, he's been invited on multiple times. He's been invited on RBN. Um, And for whatever reason, it has kind of been decided by certain people, and I've, I've said this before in this space, that they would not bring on RBN members and they will not come on to RBN. That's unfortunate because you guys are like two degrees uh, separation away from him. Uh, Dr. Cornell West, I mean, he and and Glenn have been on like several venues together. Uh, Chris Hedges as well. Um, Who else? Uh, I'm just blanking on another person. Q, Q, who has a show with, um, do you know Q? Yeah, and Q's been on RBN. But yeah, Glenn won't come I, on. Uh, yeah. Well, that's that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but yeah, it is unfortunate, but those are the realities of this space. And then there's some people that won't, and this is actually pretty just juvenile to be honest with you. But there are some people that like won't this is something I've noticed. They kind of see this space as there's only supposed to be one black woman in this space. So like if they already knew Brie, they won't come on my show. Mm. There's a lot of bias. Like you'd be surprised. (laughs) There's a lot of bias. And I mean, luckily for me, like I kind of had a heads up about it from other people who had gone through it. But it just kind of is that way. And there are certain people, and I've said this before, we've been shadow banned by some people. Some people will never bring us on. Yeah, so, I mean, you're, that's you're, how it show, is. your show's blowing up. Like, you've had some really big guests. Like, I think it's just a matter of time before they they will say yes or they'll even ask you. Uh, but that's that's my that's my view. But anyway. Thanks so much, Omar. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thing is, 
yeah, my whole thing is, it's just like, I'm sorry, but if you could go onto the white guys' channels when they had fewer subscribers, you could come onto my channel when I had fewer subscribers. I shouldn't have to get more subscribers than them for you to come onto my show. That's bullshit. That's kind of how I feel about it. I'm sorry. But uh, Brady, I'm going to go ahead and bring you in. You're the next caller. What's up, Savvy and Case? From the bottom of my heart, thank you guys so much for doing this work tonight, working on solutions instead of Netflix or something like that. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, uh, Dick Cheney's daughter running for president, you know, um, it's just a crazy uh, situation. Um, I think maybe even better news than that or more interesting news than that is that I'm going to run for president. Uh, this next year, just as like, uh, I don't really expect to win, but just as an example of how I think someone should run for president. And that means not just being financially transparent, but emotionally and intellectually transparent at the same time too. And um, I would just like to warn everyone uh, about political theater and being distracted by certain topics and whatnot. And just keep in mind that Cambridge Analytica has a profile, psychological profile on every single one of us. They're using it against us at all times to manipulate our behavior. One of the best ways to mitigate that is by non-conforming behavior. Like we mentioned earlier with um, Brianna, how she was uh, exhibiting non-conforming behavior with sync during that interview. And she did such a good job with that. That is a perfect example of how non-conforming behavior can be so effective in a debate uh, format. And uh, this brings me back to the, uh, the case of ballot initiatives. Uh, what a great way for us to make actual change. And then Case, you uh, made my political fantasies come real tonight when you mentioned mandatory debate. I think it should be a slogan of the left for us to stop censorship and encourage debate discourage censorship and encourage debate welcome these people to the debate table let them stand next to their own words i think sabby the other day you were asking you know what is the point of these debate me bros like i don't i don't see the point and uh, i'm i'm definitely identify as a debate me bro you know and um there's a guy andrew meyer from the right the don't tase me bro actually and he's one of alex jones's right hand men and so is ali this ali guy that was in the new documentary and I regularly debate these guys. I debate, I drag, I mop the floor of these dudes in their own rooms. And they've actually come to respect me. They actually like me now. Like they think I'm cool. So I'm actually building a relationship with them. And it's like this amazingly cool conversation that I wish was recorded so that we could all kind of witnessing, witness what's happening. And another fantastic solution to all this nonsense like Dick Cheney's daughter running for president is uh sabrina arena uh, salatina thank you uh, congratulations so much on uh 20k subscribers you know um i think the other day i, I gave you like two dollars for a super chat and i just want to let you know that giving you two dollars in a super chat felt so much better than voting for joe biden you know like oh, honestly <laughs> and if we all if all twenty thousand of us were to just give donate i'd send a dollar to you and you, what, what would you do with that 20K? Like, what kind of mutual aid project would you execute with $20,000? I mean, if I had $20,000, I could help feed a lot of people. How, how here in, in the I'm Boston gonna, gonna area. Like, how, would, how would we do that? How would you do Just that? Just press you a little bit. 
Yeah, yeah. How would you do that? Because this is your 20K. How, how would you execute that plan? Personally, I would recommend planting Moringa trees everywhere. Just buy a bunch of Moringa seeds, give everybody Moringa seeds, teach them how to plant them in the backyard. That is going to lower the healthcare cost instantly everywhere. It's going to feed everyone. There's not going to be any food crisis if everyone has Moringa trees, you know. Um, that would be my solution. A very cheap way to, you have money left over to do something extra with. <laughs> yeah, I would actually, I I would actually be able to make like more like gardens, like community gardens, because I know like, yeah. you know, it's, it's one thing to buy food for people and to give them food and we do that. But at the same time, it's like, once that food is gone, it's gone. Right. And then they're back yeah. in the same situation. So I would be able to like plant more community gardens. And that's a big deal here because there's not a lot of space. Like, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. like in the Boston area and even the, the towns yeah. outside of Boston, there's just not a lot of space. So the community mm-hmm. gardens that we have, they're small and then people will buy like a plot. And so then it's like, like we looked into this, me and my husband, and I looked into this when we were in Cambridge and there were no plots available that you could buy because there's it, the space is so small and they're already taken. But I would like plant more community gardens and then also okay. try to fix something with the housing situation, because ultimately, mm-hmm. if you don't have a place to live, I mean, <laughs> that's a freaking problem. Like, you, you can't, space, you know. Yeah, human beings will kill for a safe space. Yeah, I mean, and granted, now there are some people, I will say, there are some um, homeless vets. I used to see them all the time on my way to to MIT. They don't want to be housed. Um, and it's because some of it's like they have PTSD and, you know, from Vietnam and stuff like that. And, and they prefer to be outside and sleep outdoors. And I get that. But uh not everybody is in that situation. And there are some people that are homeless because quite frankly, they've been evicted and they had nowhere else to go. The rent became too high. Um, I would try to implement some type of like actual affordable housing because we don't have real, they call it affordable housing. But to me, affordable housing shouldn't keep increasing the rent because eventually it gets to the point where it's not affordable for the residents anymore. But I honestly would try to take some type of I don't know position per se, but I would try to use money also to implement some type of, I guess, like leverage in Boston to stop them from letting these developers come in and tear down the communities. I posted about this today on Twitter. There is a community sitter in Boston. It's in the Jamaica Plain uh, neighborhood. We call it JP. It's called the Ann uh, Carter Center. It was founded by the Black Panthers, and the city is scheduled to demolish that community center in September, and they're going to build luxury housing there. This has been going on for years. And so it's just that the, once they do that, the rent for the people who live in that area is going to increase. It's, it happens every time. And then they get yeah. pushed further out. They get pushed out to Quincy, or they get pushed out to like Revere. And then now those places are even getting to the point where it's not affordable. So the gentrification thing is a big problem. And I've lived here and I've gone through three mayors and every single one of them said that they were going to fix the housing issue and none of them have done it. And that includes Marty Walsh, by the way, who's now in D.C. with Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. So it's a problem like nationally, 
But eventually, like, it's getting to the point, like, this used to be, like, a working-class city, and it's not a working-class city anymore. It's just a city for, like, professionals, and that's really sad. Well, I'm going to give you some silver lining to make you feel better, um, and that is I'm just one individual broke stoner. I'm, like, a struggling artist, but I managed to start, like, three community gardens in my local area. I just talked to local places that had, like, a little plot of land or grass that was just empty, and I just said, hey, can I start gardening here? And they're just like, yeah, go for it. You know, it's easy as that. So getting these things up and going takes very little effort. You could even get the, the community to help fund the cost of soil and water hoses and stuff like that. And um, so, yeah, really easy to do. And um, congratulations on the death of the Democratic Party. You know, that's one down. You know, we got one more to go. So that's one way of looking at it, you know. Um like I said, I'm going to be running as a president just as an example of how I think it should be done. And as part of that, I'm going to be hosting third-party debates. So if you know any third-party independent candidates or that you would like to see – or if you would like to see someone debate – if anyone would like to debate Nancy Pelosi at any given time, um, I will take Nancy Pelosi's words. We will play them on screen, and then I will stop the video and allow you to respond to her words like it was a debate. And I will make her stand next to her own words in public, whether she wants to do it or not, uh, through the power of technology. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if y'all want to see any debate happen whatsoever, reach out to me. I'll host it. I'll make it happen. And we're not going to let these people slow us down in any way or form. And um, just yeah, I would just like to leave you guys with suggesting a psychedelic renaissance instead of a political revolution. It's going to be, I think, or maybe let's do both. A little bit of both, I think, would be more effective, at least. And uh, I'll pass the mic so you guys can get to the next callers. And thank you guys so much. Let's make a 20K fund for Sabrina to execute some mutual aid projects. Much love to you. I could jump in with with my solution. Um, Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead, Case. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was thinking... Initially, I was thinking, well, we could tax the heck out of these um, landlords, and and that would, like, for every room, because I heard that there's, um, like, two empty rooms for every homeless person in New York City where I live. I heard something like that. And I was like, well, for every empty room that you don't have, maybe we should tax these rich landlords a certain amount of money. And now you're incentivizing them to um, make sure that they put people in these apartments and also you know we have rich oligarchs from all over the world like russia and china and different places that they park their money in apartments and they have like house sitters that just to say that you know someone is living there and all these different type of things we could regulate that out the system but you know what honestly that's a capitalistic kind of solution so my more socialist solution would be having co-op cooperatives where people can just buy their apartment so now they own it and now they don't have to pay the rent anymore maybe they'll pay like a um a fee to keep up the whole building itself but like that would probably even be a better solution but you know either one i would like to see we need to um change the disparity of the wealth back down to the people and taxing the heck out of them would definitely work to help that I'd also just like to add the idea of vigilante gardening where you don't ask for permission. You just go in, start planting stuff, go for that too. And then uh, just want to add King Rogers at the very end of this list. So I'm going to pass the mic so we can get to King Roger before, before bedtime. Awesome. Thanks, Brady. I'm going to bring in Darlene. Um, I do just want to say too, um, 
I was thinking about climate change as well. And I was thinking about the housing situation. And there are a good amount of people that live in basement apartments, uh, particularly in New York City, also here in Boston. And if you look at what's been happening in New York, per se, they've been having flooding over the past couple of years. And people in those basement apartments have had to evacuate in some um, circumstances. I actually think that's something else that is going to need to be addressed uh, sooner rather than later, because eventually it's going to get to the point where people are going to be able to live in basement apartments. So I sincerely hope that uh, New York, like housing authority and Boston, like housing authority are looking at that issue in reference to uh, climate change. But I'm going to go ahead and bring in uh, Darlene. Just have to unmute Darlene. Hi, Sabby. Hello, is that your dog too? Yeah, that's my dog, Miko. Oh, cute. This is my first time calling. I'm a new caller, actually, even to calling. I never called before. Hi, Case. I love your clips. And I just wanted to say I love your show. I'm one of those people who started on the progressive train watching TYT and all the other um, boutique left. And I left them all alone. And RVN is like my favorite now. And there's a, a lot of, other, you know, Indie Left Network and other places that I like. But I really like what you guys got to say. And one thing you were saying before where you said they were shutting you out and I just thought about it. And I was like, well, maybe you can have a black woman's panel. And I thought about the girl on Rising Ola Bay and I heard you mention about Yvette Cornell. You were trying to have her and maybe Bree and maybe Teslin. So maybe you can have a, 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 a panel with black women and they can support you on there, I would hope. Oh, my and, God. Um, I've I've reached out to Tesla a couple of times. I haven't heard back. Um, I do have a monthly panel with uh, the Bank Sisters, Kim Brown. Um, I'm trying to remember everybody. All the faces on there. Sometimes Afini comes on. Uh, Zineb comes on. That that happens once a month. Um, Bree won't come on. I'll be honest with you. I've reached out to her multiple times. I'll just go ahead and get that out of the way because people ask me that question all the time. Um, but but yeah, a lot of it is just like having access to people, like certain people, if they don't know you, or sometimes even if they do know you, if you're not approved, they won't come on. But but I do have that panel that I do with the with the Bank Sisters and Kim Brown and um, Zineb, and sometimes Afini comes on to that too. Oh, okay. I got to watch it. I seen, I heard the one with Zineb and I seen the Bank Sisters and I like them too. So I got to check the other people out on there. And the other thing I wanted to, I guess, mention was I seen the same thing with the video with Bree and Sank. And I just, I had a laugh because, I mean, the video itself was um, a mess. And then I seen CJ and Nick's commentary and they had me dying with the, the way they laughed on the faces that Sank was making. But then the funniest today was Jimmy where he did the video and it was hilarious. Uh, it, I mean, you could, it reminded me um, in, in New York here starring Buck Wild back in the days and they would hit every time somebody would say you know what I'm saying and hit the bell as many times as he said the name Jimmy he sounded like a scorned lover like he was pissed off that none of them was, was his friends anymore so I just got a kick out of it it gave me a good chuckle I had to say <laughs> it's sad but, it's, <laughs> but at the same time it's funny and, 
the one thing I wanted to say is I, I forgot the guy's name that you brought on who was running for president. I mean, I like the other guy who was just on the phone, but the guy you had on a few weeks ago and he's running as an independent and I forgot his, I for, he was on your show, correct? Oh, John Stasevich. Yeah. That you, mm-hmm. uh, that you interviewed him. And I was like, why don't we all get behind him? And, you know, like there's nobody else that's that's running. He's an independent. And that's what I really liked about him. And if it's not the person. It's the platform. And the same way people came out for Bernie. What, I mean, doesn't mean we're going to win. But what makes you think that we we couldn't have that same magic again where people come in behind? Because not everybody knew who Bernie was back then. And if you have the platform and you have, you know, and you have all this social media today and he can put up, like he said, have the person he'll pick for vice president and his whole cabinet and the whole thing laid out. So you get someone who's worse than him for vice president so they don't murder him. And then you put all the other people are running and you put what the platform is and now they have to argue against that. And I was like, I don't know. I just thought it might be a good shot. I mean, and maybe you're not going to have the boutique left come behind you. But you know what? After a while, maybe they'll just get changed. Like, you know, you, you say you believe in these policies. Well, if you don't, you're just showing your hand that you really don't believe in them. And I just wonder if that might work, because I think any candidate today, you know, everybody's tired of a party. So an independent person might really do it. I mean, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. just my thought about it. But thanks for listening. That's a good point, Darlene. Yeah, John, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's going to be on Hardland's Media this week. Uh, I think it's Monday. Yeah, I think he's going to be there in person if I remember correctly. So yeah, um, you know, and hopefully after that, he'll be on other platforms too. But yeah, he had a lot of good things to say. I really liked what he was saying there. Yeah, I'm like, maybe he's the person we all need to get behind. There's nobody else. I mean, I'm not voting for the Democrats ever again. And it's I also live in New York here and I'm getting flooded with all kinds of things about voting. And I just, I'm like, I got to just keep my cool and just let it go and just say, opt out, stop. Because if I tell you my real opinion of what I thought about them, you know, it's, it's going to be nasty. And it's like, you know what, for what? These are people just texting me. So I got to vote third party or independent or somebody, but I'm not voting red or blue. No more. I hear you. I think you were going to say something, Case. Um. No, the only thing I was going to say is that, unfortunately, Bernie got traction when the debate started happening. So, like, that's how he really started getting into the ether and building momentum. So that's the hardest thing. That's why I I really hope that we have mandatory debates. That's it. Thanks. Yeah, I would like to see that, too, because I think uh, that was another thing that was different about Jesse Ventura, too. He was allowed to debate. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Totally. Totally. Once he got into the debate, that was it, and that's why. So yep. it still hurts my heart that he wasn't picked by the um, the Green Party uh, to 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 be the nominee. But hey, maybe in an alternate uni- alternate universe, he probably would have won, and we'd be in a whole different situation right now. Yeah, and I think that uh, I would really. You know, I'm thinking about someone like Cynthia McKinney, because I, I did ask her if she would run again, if she moved back to the U.S. And she said, never say never. And I think about someone like her, if people actually heard her debate, could you imagine? She's good. 
<laughs> you know what? I, I, I'll have to see. I know she's good in the interviews. I wonder if she has any interviews like on C-SPAN or anything like that. I would love to see, go back and watch that debate. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think she has. I have to go back and check, but I think I saw her on C-SPAN before. I think this was back when she was running against um, Obama in 08. I have to go back and check, but... Darlene, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to go to the next caller. All right. Good night. Good night. And that is Dorian. You are on the mic, Dorian. Hello. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, wow. Excellent. Thank you, Savvy, for having me and for our graciousness with your time. Um, also, Mr. Case Study QB, thank you for your body of work that you provide. I was going to say, as far as your question, as far as Liz Cheney and Democratic Party, does it even matter <laughs> at this point? Like, these people have showed their hand that no matter what you do, they're going to do whatever they're going to do. Um, kind of one, of one of the things I was thinking about, actually, was, are you familiar with that United States being put up for like war crimes as far as targeting the nuclear site in Ukraine? I was not aware of that. Yes. So that was, that's been on my mind. And the fact that Crimea was attacked. And sometimes you really have to like think like these people. And I, sometimes I wonder that's what really the control is. How crazy are you willing to go? Like the fact that they're willing to even attack a nuclear site. They're willing to say they're going scorched earth. How do you respond to that? I don't know how do you respond to it. I, I can say, I think, uh, again, I think we're just living in late stage capital uh, capitalism. I think a lot of people have just had it, uh, Dorian. And um I actually was talking to my parents recently and it's really interesting because they're typically pretty optimistic people, uh, but they're also realistic. And my dad was telling me recently, he was just like, he said, people have had it. He said, people have had yeah. enough. Like it's, it's too much for people. It's too much. My, my dad was telling me like, he hasn't seen this his whole life. Yeah. Uh, I, I share a sentiment. I was talking to my friend recently about this in my conversation. And I was like, Dave, oh, not his name. <laughs> well, I was like, we have been in how many countries? Mm -hmm. We've literally pissed off every single person. Let's just put it that way. Who wants to do business with you after that? Like, like the fact that we expect the world to like be okay with this and considering that, you know, we're not even, we're not even the, the manufacturer of the world anymore. We're buying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree with you, Dorian. I think that we need to do almost like a reparation before um, what the CIA did to from various years of overthrowing a duly elected um, prime ministers, presidents, and converting those democracies into um, dictatorships. 
and and like we need to do like almost a second Marshall's plan, like how we did after World War Two, and help rebuild countries. Like we need to help rebuild all these places that we literally tore down. And the question is, do we might have to convince the citizenry, which you know we're very capitalistic, very greedy, and 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 also a lot of people are ignorant to the fact that our alphabet organizations like the CIA, etc., has done such hurt and terrorism around the world. But um, yeah, definitely America has to um, like we have to do something to build up goodwill around the world again. Oh yeah. Um... Especially with countries like Haiti, I was just going to say, like, I think about, I think about everything that Haiti has gone through. And I feel like that's one of the, the most disrespected countries in the world. And I feel like, especially by the United States government, I feel like something needs to be done there. Something needs to be fixed. And I I think I'm going to try to bring back on um, Pascal because he came on before. He's part of This Is Revolution. He he knows a lot about Haiti, and he's talked a lot about it before. I think he has a, a book about it, actually, about the the revolt that happened in Haiti and everything. And I just think that, yeah, you're right. Like, the U.S. government should be trying to help rebuild these countries that they've destroyed. But I feel like they are now kind of like they have this mindset that that's what the missionary groups are for. So for those of us that grew up like in the church, like I grew up in the church, we had missionary groups. And what they would do is they would actually travel to those countries that the U.S. government has destroyed and they would help them rebuild. So because you have groups like that and you have like Habitat for Humanity and all these other organizations and nonprofits that do those things, the U.S. government just feels like they don't want any part in it. And then after you do all that with those countries, then the, they could still bomb them the next year. <laughs> yep. Is, is that but, but here's the thing, though, that the people have figured this out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like the gamut is up. <laughs> like, it, as far as I was talking to my friend about that, like, everyone knows the American MO. You go in, you screw up their country, and they get the resources at these discounted rates. That's pretty much what they want, whatever it is that they're trying to get. And then he was like, well, well, what about China? I'm like, well, they get a better deal. At least they're doing something for them if they're going to get exploited. Mm-hmm. I like, choose mm-hmm. your oppressor. <laughs> and if I'm going to side with somebody, I'm going to decide with a benevolent oppressor. And one of the things, and, and here's the thing, going back to what you guys were talking about, and that requires Americans to take responsibility, and even for that to even happen, as far as any type of reparation. And and re- what really like dawned on me was like, well, how do you get Americans to accept responsibility? Like we can't even get people to at this point. I was looking at uh, to get some Republican senator or something like that talking about the student debt crisis, about like how it's an atrocity if you try to help these people at some to some degree. And I'm like, wow. Is this how Americans view their educated? Now, if you were to go to Germany and they were to talk about their engineers, they would be proud to talk about a German engineer. And they would be proud that they don't they participated 
in creating the German engineers. Why? Because then they build them the best vehicles or the best engineering, which has that has come to be true. Whereas for us, when we think about it, it's like like our teachers, like we don't even say our teachers, we say the teachers. We we take no collective responsibility for any of these things. Everything has become so individualistic that it's now it's just me. So then how do you how do you go from me to us? Well, here's the thing. Um, in order for the United States countries to help the United States government to help those countries rebuild, that would mean that the United States government would have to admit some fault. Exactly. They would have to admit that they did something wrong. And that's not the message that they send to the American people. It's always that the other country is the one that's the wrong in the wrong. And we were actually out there trying to fight the good fight to protect the citizens in those countries, which obviously is not true, but they would have to admit that what they did was wrong. And then if they do that, then Americans may look at the United States government, especially the military industrial complex, they may look at them in a different light. And they may say, oh, maybe we do need to take some of the funds from the military industrial complex and put it into other areas. So that's the first thing. And then number two, in reference to individualism, it's true. I went to school in Germany and there's a whole different mindset over there. They actually care about the community. In the United States, here it's more about individualism. It's all about like, what can you do as an individual? Not so much, what can you do? What can the community do for the people? It's about what can you do for yourself? And it's it's different. And so if they say in Germany, hey, we're going to you know, increase the taxes or we are going to increase the fare, we're going to do these things so that we can have high speed rail. The people just do it because they know it's going to benefit everybody in the long run. You can't do that here in the U.S. because everyone looks out for themselves. They're like, I don't want my money to go to other people. I don't want money to come from my paycheck to implement a service. I don't want that. That's the difference. And so I think in order to have those changes here in the U.S., you have to change people's, I guess, their mindset because we we don't have that mindset here in the States. I have that mindset because I started school in Germany. So that's what I was introduced exactly. to. So for me, and when for I came me, back to the military, the, and that's why I have that mindset. That's right. Like because my dad was military were too. Military as, I, as I was. So we have an idea of what that type of system is like, mm -hmm. which is why we can strongly advocate for it. Because we, I'm like, I'm like to my own military people, I'm like, don't you want what we have for everyone? Right. So why like, why, why is it want that? I'm like, I, I'm just like, I, I'm just like flabbergasted by. It. I, I go overseas, right? I, I never forget this. I was thinking about Katrina. And because there's something that like kind of really annoyed me. I remember I was in, um, we were just about to deploy. Maybe I was about a week out and Katrina hit. My friend was from Louisiana and, you know, flooded his area. And we're here we are watching. And we're like, well, what is our government doing? And how is it that there are 
foreign government willing to do more for our people than our own government is willing to do for us. And I, when I say us, I just mean the American people in general. I know it was black people, obviously the majority, but they're not willing to do anything for us. Like, why is it that foreigners are willing to do more? Because I remember the, the Dutch were being blocked or something from helping where, where we were doing nothing. And here we are deploying the, the following week and we're like, get the fuck out. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm get out of here. It's a different culture. And when you think about the United States, like, what do we have, right? We have state rights, right? We have federal laws and then we have state laws, right? So you have some people, some politicians in D.C. who will say, well, I'm sorry, but you have these issues with education in your state. Your state has to handle that. So then you get to the state. Yeah, then you get to the state and then they're like, okay, I'm sorry, the school in my the schools in my district are actually great. Well, the schools in my district are not great. Well, I'm sorry, you got to talk to the people in your district about that. That's the problem. And there's no community within the state that just becomes red and blue, but not yep. really understanding. Like when I was in the military, right? We all had to work together. Yep. <laughs> and we, it's like we can't figure that out. Like, hey guys, we have things that we need to do instead of bickering amongst one another because this isn't working. Well, it's just weird to me too, because like, even like in Germany, people weren't like, like Germans weren't like, I don't like the fact that we have healthcare for everyone because I'm a conservative. Like that wasn't even a thing. No. Because it was just something like human first, right? Like, let's right. get some base level things covered, right? And, you know, healthcare should be a base level thing. Like, if, if you, I always go back to Maslow's Pyramid, you know, there are certain levels of things that you have to have, right? If you expect rational thinking. If someone does not have a home or their home is precarious, they're not going to be thinking rationally. If their food situation is precarious, they're not going to be thinking rational. So then how can you expect rational thought? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to tell you, I did not see those things there. Like that, that was the difference. Like people, we complain all the time about our transportation system, right? Public transportation. We complain about it all the time. They had high speed rail when I was there as a kid. Yeah. I, I remember mm-hmm. the high speed rail when I was in England. That was really actually nice. <laughs> nice to yeah. go Japan. Um, I mean, I still love my New York City subway. I, I mean, I know it pretty well, but uh, I feel like it definitely needs some updates. Yeah, I think that uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. It, it is, but you know what? Same thing for here in, in, in Boston. Can use some updates. Like, I, if I was an American, right? I'm an, obviously, I am American, right? And I'm, we don't even think of ourselves like as part of the world. We should be embarrassed to say that we have a, uh, what was it, a D-rated uh, construction, I mean, or infrastructure. We should be embarrassed with the results that we're getting from education. Yeah, and especially like, because no like, <laughs> well, I, I just want to say like that report 
and I'll bring this up again one more time on my show because I know there's new people now, but um, the American Society of Civil Engineers, they actually do a report every year about the infrastructure in the United States. And that report was embarrassing because I'm like, we are newer than Europe. Europe is older than the United States. So why do they have high speed rail and we don't? Like they gave us a D. Yeah, that's that's a failure. And and, and you see other things like these polls where they say, well, you know, Biden is he's at forty six percent. That's an F. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and any other like <laughs> any any other institution. Forty six percent. Yeah, I think I think this is low hanging fruit for a leftist running for president. Like and you don't even need to get into the divisive uh, like policies that you know are more complex to um, to articulate and to explain. Just talk about our infrastructure, how bad it is, and anybody can literally relate to that. You know, talk about how we can abolish um, the unhoused or homelessness with just twenty billion dollars. We send fifty billion to Ukraine. Like just those those two things alone, you could just harp on to to forever and people would agree with you you know the the last thing i'll say is that definitely um i agree with you all that my my recent obsession is starting to come with um the hyperloop which is uh the idea that elon oh, musk yeah. came up with and they're developing i think virgin has developed a version of the hyperloop and that's like the new new high speed mm-hmm. rail goes to 700 um, miles per hour as fast as a, a modern airplane and i would love to give the air give the airline industry competition with a, a international um continental hyperloop system that can go from you know new york to boston to california i would love that yeah you know what um thank you for like mentioning that that's the hyperloop like and this is the thing that government should do right you have a hyperloop you, this is where government government gets bold hey you know what we need a hyperloop to go from east to west, north to south, right? We're putting up a hundred million dollars to the first to the people who can get us the plans and instructions that can make this work. There you go. Yep. That's it. Yep. And yep. then you get people riled up to do something. Like yep. people want to do something. Like, and by the way, uh, nuclear, I mean, we should be talking about fusion as far as like energy. Like they just <laughs> finally like started the igniter on that. So that's like a big thing. Like government should be pouring billions into this, everything they have at it to get this done. And it's like, I never thought of like people, like we don't prepare for anything. So, and here's the, for these climatologists people like, okay, let's let's just look at things in face value so you don't believe that the climate is being affected by by people but are you not seeing any effects because i certainly am so should we not prepare isn't that what good people do when they are going to for the future should we not prepare for these things anyway or do we just sit back and wait for things to happen we need to have but a that more has that has approach. 
that has been the the consistent American response, though, is to be reactive instead of proactive. And that's why we have some of the problems that we have in this country. And they've also made the climate issue a left-right issue. That should have never happened. And that's why we're in this situation to begin with. I will say Peter Schwartzman did tell me last night, him and his dad wrote a book about how to fix the climate issue. And he said, he was like, we 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 wrote this all out, Sabrina. He was like, he said, did anybody call me? Anybody say, hey, you want to come on and talk about it? He's talking about mainstream media. He said, no. He said, we had figured this all out years ago. So I think I that, yeah. So I think that there are answers out there. But again, it's just like getting through mainstream media propaganda and i i point out mainstream media a lot because they're the ones that have the largest platform that's really where you need to get the information to to reach as many people as possible and they will not let those people come on because they are beholden to the u.s government they have the same talking points as the u.s government so we have to find a way to break that chain. And I do think that things are starting to change because you see what we just say tonight. CNN just lost another show. That's all because of ratings. The numbers going down. Yeah, no one's buying it anymore. Like the, like the, you know, there's such thing as a social contract and it's broken and people have realized it. And we're, we're at a point where this inflection point where I'm like, what direction are we going? Because we're, we're going to go one way or the other. And I'm also afraid of like, what is the world response to us? Because we're going insane over there, especially in the Eastern Europe. Oh, they're like, not too fond of us right now. Not, yeah, no one is. Like we're really yeah. threatening world peace at this point. Like how That's right. like, at some point, like the world's going to be like, hey, you know what? We need to do something about this because 5% of the world should not be able to dictate everything. I agree. Dorian, thank you so much for calling in. I want to go to the next caller. Oh, thank you. And that is uh, Sean. You are on the mic. You just have to unmute. unmute. I hope we didn't lose Sean. I hope. Hey, um, while Sean comes on, I just want to say real quick that I I agree with you that, you know, our government is reactive, not proactive. You know, you hear the Republicans and conservatives talk about all the time that you need to run government as a business. And and no, you can't run government as a business because a, a corporation or a business cares about profits, quarterly profits. They don't really think about long-term planning they think about just how can we make a buck tomorrow just and they also want to skim just five percent you know if they could dump all their waste into a nearby river you know without disposing of it the proper way if they could save a dollar they would do it that way that and that's not how government should be ran we need to have long-term planning with government and just like um the previous caller said that's why with the hyperloop you you don't it might cost 50 trillion dollars for it to be implemented but if it lasts a hundred years then the investment was worth it you know but a a business is going to think well i need that money back as soon as possible like i need that in a year so it's not worth the investment but we the people we're the government and that's how we should be thinking 
investing in our in investing in our schools, investing in our transportation, et cetera, et cetera. Agreed. Uh, Sean, are you there? Sean might have fallen asleep. Sean's probably like, look, it's past my bedtime. All right, Sean, I'm going to go to Roger Meadows. Um, Roger, you're on the mic. You just got to unmute. Uh, am I? Oh, okay. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Roger. Roger have, have you met Case? No, I always hear about Roger Meadows on doing the, um, you know, on uh, what's the other thing? Uh, Rockfin. Yeah. Much love hey, to you. How you doing? Um, one, um, fifteen thirty-four Tremont Avenue, Tremont Street. Uh, savvy. That's one. <laughs> um, two. Uh, Case, you're in New Jersey or in New York? So I'm. I live in New Jersey. I work in New York. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say you, you had made a suggestion about doing something about uh, rent. Um, and you were saying something about taxing to make sure to bring the price of rent down. Um, yeah. That's that's a um, suggestion that um, Senator Salazar had. Mm. She, she's she calls she's like a self-described um, she calls herself a self-described Marxist. Mm. Um, she's in her her district is somewhere in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. um, I've had conversations with her uh, a couple mm -hmm. of times. I, I mean, you know, like, I know you're not supposed to like politicians, but, you know, I, I really like her. She, mm -hmm. But I think um, a better thing would be to just end this whole thing and just outlaw. Uh, oh, yeah. By the way, she has she has a bill. They, it, they didn't pass it. It was called eviction. Oh, what was it called? Uh, good cause eviction. Um, there's a video on it. Um, Sabby, I think I sent you the video some, some time ago, but I think really, if you want to end the, uh, homelessness crisis, just outlaw, have the, have these people outlaw private equity from owning homes and uh -huh. owning residential apartment buildings. There you go, Roger. There you go. I'm down with that. Just, just outlaw it instead of taxing them. And you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, sure. Tax the rich. That's all great or whatever. But just mm -hmm. just just outlaw them all together. Like in, instead of like playing these games or whatever. Um, I had went to uh, 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 what you, I, I went to, um, you, you know, the whole thing with uh, Kristen Gonzalez, the lady who's running for senator in Senate District 50. Well, anyway, I went to go I went to go speak to her and there was an assembly woman another uh, assembly woman who has a name gonzalez there right and it, it was funny because she she was just like um so they thought i was coming there to help them campaign or whatever and i was just like nah i came here to try to get you guys to put an amendment before us so that we can be transformed into a ballot initiative state <laughs> you know and like I'm not really trying to help anybody, you know what I mean? But I talk, I, I, you know, but I mean, I, Chris, I talked to Kristen. She's very nice. She, she, like, I didn't realize how young she was. I mean, I think she's like 22, but she looked like 18 or whatever. But it, they, she had like a lot of, of young, like early 20s, late teens people helping her. So that, you know, I, I found that kind of inspiring a bit. But um, 
when I was talking to the other Gonzalez, who's already assemblywoman, she was just like, oh, and she she was all excited, like, hey, you're going to, because the thing that they're pushing now is the whole abortion thing, like, hey, you want to get excited about abortion? You're going to come out and vote, because that's what we're running on. She didn't say it like that, but mm-hmm. it's pretty cool she was saying and i looked at and i said well new york state is a blue state where democrats outnumber republicans more than two to one so um if you can't do things like protect abortion voting rights women's rights do something with gun laws then i'm sorry i'm not you know that's that doesn't impress me i said i said to her listen you guys have a veto-proof majority in both chambers you, and the New York Health Act got majority support in both chambers, but you didn't pass it. And, you know, she, she, she's like, no, I know she's not Speaker Heasty or, or Senate Majority Leader Stuart Cousins, who, who's holding who's holding shit up. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like, I, was like, I don't know, you guys got to mutinize or, or, or something. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because this is ridiculous. I was just watching um, this this like every Friday at seven thirty, they play this thing on YouTube. It's called New York Now or WHMT or something like that, and they talk about state politics or whatever. And one of the new senators, Cooney, was talking about a uh, a new bill. And I think what it is is that like he's he's trying to do something that had deals with healthcare. It sounded real complicated. And I was listening to the interview, and I got the sense that. He really wants to do the New York Health Act, but Cousins is telling him, nah, we ain't doing that. Give us, uh, we'll let you do some incremental shit, but we're stopping you right here. Mm. And you know what I mean? And the, and the problem is leadership. I mean, I think Cousins, whose district is Westchester County, she lives up in Yonkers, is mm. a bigger impediment to stopping the New York Public Banking Act, the New York Health Act, um, the Democracy Preservation Act, in case you don't know about it. It's the, it's the way to curb foreign money in elections mm. um, where uh, it has something to do with, um, if you have a company, right, and you're in New York State, but you got foreign investors, well, if you got foreign investors, then you can't like donate to politicians. Mm-hmm. Okay, you see what I'm saying? So it's called yeah. the democracy. Because it's the speaker, right? The speaker. Well, I see Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart Cousins more of an impediment than Speaker Heasty. Okay, no, I was just curious what her position was, but you just said it. Okay, gotcha. And and she's the first black woman in that position, right? So that's probably what she's hiding behind identity politics to keep her position. Is that correct? I would guess so. Okay, I would guess so. Um, but you know, she's pissing me off. Um, I think we need Roger, like, you know how the IDC, the movement to get rid of the, we need like a kind of movement. And unfortunately it was the election of Trump that kind of got a lot of people involved back in politics. And I think at least this is my theory, you would know on the ground more than me that got the whole anti IDC movement going. And we need that same movement to get healthcare in, in New York. I think that had more to do with Cynthia Nixon. Okay. Than it did with Trump because I think Cynthia Nixon saw that she was about to lose, so she mm-hmm. said, "You know what? I may not be able to win, mm-hmm. but I'm going to help you guys win, mm-hmm. and I'm going to let everybody know who the IDC is." Interesting. So, 
I give that because she started at one point, she stopped talking about herself and she started talking about the IDC. Mm, that was smart of her. I, I wonder, do you know why she didn't run a second time? Probably because she wanted to do Sex in the City again. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I asked her at a, um, when, when India Walton came down to, uh, nowadays, uh, that, that place in Queens or Brooklyn, I forgot where. And I, I had talked with her personally or whatever, and she was just like, uh, you know, it, you know, like I forgot pretty much it was no, but I forgot how she put it. And then like months later, um, sex in the city comes back out. So I said, Oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> um, just because real quick, um, Jamani, I was trying to get an interview with Jamani Williams, you know, on my channel I, and I don't do a consistent show, so I don't got a lot of subscribers and Sabs has way more charisma than me so which is you know she's just awesome at what she does but i like to try to interview people just to get build a relationship or just to because i'm curious myself and i wanted to interview jamani williams and i didn't get an interview like sab said like sometimes it's just hard or they look at your numbers and they say oh he doesn't have a lot of, a lot of subscribes subscribers and i uh, he just didn't go anywhere. What you thought about Jum uh, and Sabs? I'm so sorry to just take over your show about Rogers. So <laughs> I, I'm curious, what do you think Rogers about Jamani Williams? And then I'll stop talking. Uh, um, no, I wasn't impressed with Jamani Williams. Um, yeah. I just saw somebody like a lot of the people out here on in, in Nassau and Suffolk County was just like, oh, yo, we got to get behind Jamani. And, you know, they was asking me to, uh, uh, you know, registered democrat and i could go back to independent and i was just like nah this guy's not impressing me i'm not <laughs> sitting here looking at him and mm. then and i was very um curious as to when governor hokel went to speak to him uh back in what december or something like that mm. or january or something like that and i'm like what was that meaning about you know what i mean like is mm he like did he get anything out of it what was was he promised something mm. you know that you notice that people started more um getting amped about his uh, i forgot her name his uh maria something his his oh uh, lieutenant like, governor yes lieutenant governor candidate mm -hmm. then they were him mm -hmm. and yeah. i was just like this this guy got no energy uh, mm. i was just like I was like, this guy's not serious. Like control opposition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't mm. know what he was controlling. He wasn't controlling shit. But um, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, you know, I was telling my man, I was just like, Steve, these are people I know. And Steve, Joe, I'm not, I'm not unregistering independent to vote for this guy. I was yeah. like, oh, we got a, we got a campaign for me. I was like, yo, the guy don't even want to campaign for himself. I'm not doing all that work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? I totally agree. Yeah. And, and, and he's the um, advocate, um, right? He's the public advocate, which is actually the second and commit on um, like the second level to the mayor of New York City, which means that he could bring bills directly to the city council. Like it doesn't even have to be voted. It's almost like Speaker of the House. And I yeah. haven't heard much of him doing anything in his current position. Yeah. So, so I'm like, like I said, I'm not really that much impressed. Yeah. With him. Now I wanted. Now you mentioned uh, talked about infrastructure, so I just wanted to talk about this for a second. I want you, maybe now maybe you did. I don't know if you watched it, but watch Sabrina's show on when I had her bring on Alfeka Murtadi from um, the National Infrastructure Bank Coalition. Um, 
she was just on Ron Placone's show earlier this week. Um, I got her on um, Kit, uh, Harlan's Media. Mm. Um, and my man is trying trying to get her on, um, all right, Savvy, don't freak out, trying to get her on Jen Perlman's show. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so, you know what I mean? So, uh, but but here, here's the thing, though. The na- so the, in case you don't know, the National Infrastructure Bank is written, it's authored by um, Chicago Congressman Danny Davis. Mm-hmm. And it would be it would be a public bank for the country. Okay. Right. So you was talking about that puny five trillion dollars for infrastructure, whatever. It's mm-hmm. like the National Infrastructure Bank can bring in a hundred million uh, sorry, a hundred trillion dollars in infrastructure spending put on autopilot nice. so the Congress doesn't have to keep coming back and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, like, okay, you know, no, it just, it's just mm-hmm. put on autopilot, you know, yeah. and if you know anything about public banks, they create a surplus in the economy without having to raise taxes or create new taxes. Nice. Because just like when Fahad, but Kabul was on Savvy show and he said, uh, there's three ways to, to, to create money. One is Congress, one secretary, treasury secretary, and the other one is, is the Fed giving banks a license to print money. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, if you do a public bank, then you get a license to print money from the Fed, you know, and that's something that a national infrastructure bank could do. Now, you, you was talking about you guys, you and Sab was talking about crumbling infrastructure. You was talking about how great the trains are in other countries. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I used to work, you know, like I, I drive and stuff like that, customers around. And people never guess what my background is. I had people ask me if I studied law, if I, if I was a constitutional lawyer. I get, I get all this crazy stuff that I ever studied poli sci. I said, no, actually, my background is in information technology. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I used to set up Microsoft servers. I used to I used to configure Cisco routers and switches. I used to do all that stuff. Nice, okay? nice. So here's the thing. Um, do you know who has the best broadband in the country? Oh, is it a municipal broadband in um, um, Nashville? I think. Almost Chattanooga. Uh, Chat. That's what I meant to say. Chattanooga. Okay. And it's municipal fiber optics, right? Right. Yep. Now I think theirs is like I don't know, ten gigs, ten gigs, right? In case okay. anybody don't know, you know, because I used to work in IT, giga means bill. Well, mega means million. Well, kilo means thousand. Mega means million. Giga giga means billion. Tera means trillion. So on and so forth, right? So, um. Now, Ron had said on the show when he was talking to Alfeca Mertati from the National Infrastructure Bank Coalition, he said North Dakota, which is the only state that has a public bank, they have the best broadband also. They got pretty good broadband also. You see what I'm saying? Oh, I finally got a call. I've been sitting for like two hours. Anyway, um, so so here's the thing. Do you know what uh, China's and certain parts of Europe broadband speed is? No. 178 terabits per second. Wow, that's crazy. But 
that fiber right, optic. Hold on, hold on, hold, 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 check it out. Mm-hmm. You know what Japan's is? No. 316 terabits per second. Okay. And Chattanooga has 10 gigabits. Everyone else in the country is lower than 10 gigabits. Oh my God. Whether you're Verizon or, you know, AT&T or whatever it is. But you know why they need that over there in China, especially they doing all that surveillance on everybody. So they got to keep up. <laughs> True. But Japan's got better. They, yeah. they, they have, they, they, theirs is a lot, is a lot better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's fiber optics technology. Um, I don't know. I just know it's okay. fast. I, I assume it's fiber optic. Do, do you know how much Chattanooga pays per month? Is it like $10? Is it super cheap? I just know it's cheaper than everybody. Uh, yeah, I know that too. I, just I know, know I know we got, we passed in, in Long Island, at least Nassau, Sussex, and Far Rockaway. Mm-hmm. We're getting out of, we've been getting screwed by uh, PSC and G when, mm-hmm. it, when it comes to power. So we fought to get, um, starting in 2025, the contract is running, it will, will expire, mm-hmm. and we will be trans. We will be making LIPA, Long Island Power Authority, uh, municipally owned oh, and operated. It's awesome. Wow. Congrats. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I mean, you know, I didn't do, you know, I was just, I was a cog in the machine. I helped out. <laughs> I, well, I was just, I, I wasn't like there was other people who was really, you know, getting in and, and doing the work and so on and so forth. My parents but, are in Nassau, so I have to tell them to look out for that. Where in Nassau? And um, Hewlett, like they're oh, on the border okay. of Rosedale, and um, Hew- they live in Hewlett right now. Yeah, in that yeah, area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I grew up, I grew up in Freeport. Um, Freeport and Rockville Center are the only places in the. I don't know if the country, but I definitely know in the state that has municipalized power. So I have experience mm. with with municipalized electricity, and and we 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 had we had our own water also. As a side note, by the way, in case anybody know Medea Benjamin, she's from Freeport also. Okay, cool, cool. And so is Public Enemy. Just had to throw that in. Cool. Medea is awesome. Yeah, Medea, great. Paint. Cold pink is awesome. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello. Uh, oh. yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're customers. They're talking. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take your time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, um, I can't remember. I think that might have been it. Yeah. I can't remember anything else I was gonna say, but watch out for the National Infrastructure Bank and and uh, nice. watch, watch, watch those videos. I I got you. definitely. All right. Gotta go. Got customers. Have a good one, Roger. Bye, Roger. Bye. Bye. Hey, how you doing? All right, Marco, you're the last caller of the night. Hey, Savvy, good to talk to you. I- I, I was mainly trying to get on to talk to Roger. Not, not that I don't love you. Oh. <laughs> um, no, I just want to talk to Roger about worker co-op organizing. Yeah, I think he's still listening. He's just not going to be able, I guess, to chat because he's back on the road. Yeah, he's busy. It sounds like he's busy working. So. Alrighty. Okay, guys. So that's a wrap for tonight. 
Um, have a good weekend, guys. Case, thanks so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sabrina. Sorry, the last time I jumped on here, son, I fell asleep, so I apologize for that as, as well. But <laughs> thank you for having me. I love having these conversations with you and the audience, and this is how we build solid solidarity with each other. This is how we grow a movement. And um, I heard somebody on Twitter was like, oh, these guys, because I, I, I was trying to, I sent out a tweet that um, Brianna Joy Gray retweeted um, because I was happy that she had the, the talk with Jenk, even though, you know, it went the way that it did. At the end, it seemed like they kind of agreed on, on um, kind of came together at the end. And people were like, oh. I said something about they're both left leaders. And they're like, oh, they're, they're just commentators. Like, no, in my personal opinion, Sabi, you, you're a leader. Jank, uh, Brianna, all, everyone who has followers, you have subscribers that listen to you. If, if all these people came together and say, hey, let's meet up at this corner and we're going to do a march for Medicare for all, a ton of people will come out. That's called being a leader. So thank you for your leadership and uh, much love to you. Have a good night. Keep up the fight. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Case. All right, guys, have a good weekend. I'm heading out. Thanks for hanging out with me. Bye.